This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And holy smokes, do we have a wild one to talk about last night as the Bombers come back from the dead to beat the Edmonton Elks and extend the Elks' record home losing streak to 2022 and have a complete a perfect first half of the CFL season at 0-9. Uh, lots to get to. From last night's thrilling comeback win by the Bombers, Mike McIntyre is going to jump on the program, and Ken we will as well. Then a little later on, uh, NFL exhibition got started in earnest last night. The NFL Notebook will be live with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little later on, and it's Friday. You know what that means. Marbles to kick off the weekend coming up around 2.45. Um, I'm going to get right into it with Reem, but just before we do that, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Coolbet, Princess Auto, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Nick & Nicky DQ, F Apparel, BP, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, as well as the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and our friends at Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer. Uh, just before... We bring in Michael Remus. Let me hit all of you with the why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGillivray. At what point did you believe, did you think that the Bombers were winning that game last night? I, I can tell you that looking at my social media feed, there was plenty of people that had written the, uh, written the Bombers off. <laughs> but let us know in the chat right now. And, of course, welcome to everyone. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And shout out to the podcast listeners who are joining us today as well. Michael Remus, what a crazy game last night in Edmonton. But uh, Bombers, to their credit, despite a horrible start, come back and get the job done without two-time MOP. Zach Caleros. Yeah, that's why you play a full 60 minutes, Huss. And I think for the CFL, the way the rules are set up, you know, if you even if you're down 22 points very early, there was still so much time left. And, you know, a couple two and outs, you can get the ball back quickly. And, you know, you may have a couple big plays on defense, uh, some strong quarterback play. But uh, very tough to see Zach go down. And I have so many memories of, you know, when he went down in the first game last year and you think, oh, well, this team's not winning. And Drew Brown led a, a game-winning drive in that game. And, I mean, <laughs> it was a bit more than a game-winning drive uh, last night, Huss. But he came in and, man, did he look good. He Man, he was making throws in the pocket, making throws rolling to his left, rolling to his right. Um, he looked like a ball player as Rucker McGrody would say, and he was slinging all over to the two. I know Zach, like we hit the over on, or we were betting on the over on Zach uh, Claris passing yards, but it was Drew Brown who came in in relief and hit the over, uh, going over 300 and three touchdowns as well. Um, he, sorry, four, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. He, he was absolutely slinging it. I mean, yeah. I, to come in in the situation that he was in with the team being embarrassed, frankly, in the first half by a team that had not won a game um, and, and doing it in the midst of, you know, legitimate concern 
for a guy that has really turned into the franchise in Zach Caleros. Um, you know, he uh, <laughs> there was no time to sit around and uh, figure out well, what the heck, uh, what went wrong. Um, it was time to get out there, start ripping the football around. And Drew Brown really did seem to play a, a, a free brand of football that you don't often see from a backup quarterback. And I'm glad you mentioned that game last uh, last year against Ottawa because I'm sure I wasn't the only one that, you know, saw Caleros out at that point in the game and Drew Brown coming in and thought, you know, the Bombers were were in a very bad position and would not be winning that football game. And um, Drew Brown showed everyone that he's very capable of coming up big when the game was, um, you know, on the line. This was different, though, last night. He needed to do that over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, you come in at 22-zip. Time to get things going. The Bombers did that. And by the time the second half was uh, was on Remo, we, uh, those were the two teams we expected to see in the first half. Although credit to Edmonton for uh, being ready to play a lot more than the Bombers were last night. Yeah, coming out, you know, first play of the game, Kevin Brown with a 65-yard touchdown run. And, and that's how Edmonton got a lot of their points. So I think if you were the Bombers, you were still feeling okay knowing there was so much time left. Um, they had the you know the long run, you know the long run off the start. They did have a very nice drive on their second touchdown um, with Trey Ford running it in, and he, you know you saw the athleticism and and the speed that he has that was talked about so much coming in. But they, so they had that play, and then the Kyron Moore touchdown. Sorry, then the uh, interception returned, the pick six, which should not have been thrown uh, as a tough play, and we'll get into the you know if it was roughing the passer or not. And then also they had the big play to Kyron Moore. So really, you look at the game overall, Edmonton had like one drive that they put together. You know, I think Bombers made some big mistakes. You asked Demario Houston on that Kyron Moore play. I mean, he's trying to make a tackle, make something happen in the backfield, and misses, and then he takes it to the house. So, you know, the Edmonton, you know, their last place team, they put up a great fight, but the Bombers were able to put it together for a full 60. And, um, you know, there's a couple plays that really impressed me from Drew Brown. There's one one throw um, to Brandon O'Leary Orange where he's rolling to his left and finds him on the sideline. Like he rolls to his left always very very hard when you're a right-handed thrower, you know, sets his feet. He just had so much time uh, to make that throw. But, um, you know, the Bombers on the night, I think their conversion on second down was 66, it was 66%, uh, 16 of 24. And you saw that when they put the game away at the end, um, you know, he finds... Rashid Bailey on a 20-yard uh, second down, and Dalton Schoen on a second down, and that was, I thought, such a huge uh, drive for Drew Brown just to put the game away once they had already got the lead um, with the amazing catch by Kenny Lawler. I mean, oh, that was God. I mean, the most you know, casual one-hander. Wow. Schoen, Lawler, Dembski, Sheed, I mean, yeah. all had massive games last night for Drew Brown. But, you know, just to back up to what I had asked everyone for the why not question of the day, um, you know, obviously you have a team down 22 nothing, losing your first, uh, your number one quarterback. It's a very, very bad situation. But the Bombers got 10 points heading into the break. And you thought, okay, this game is very much alive, although they still were not favored to win the football game. But two things happened. First of all, SK and BA split did uh, touchdown dances or victory lap, shall we say, four or five minutes into the second half. Um, that was not a good sign if you were backing the Elks last night. But in all seriousness, right around that moment, Reem, like five minutes into the second quarter, 
the Bombers absolutely were demolishing the Elks on the line of scrimmage. And the Bomber O-line, which had such a big game against the BC Lions last week, I think continued to acquit itself. And, I mean, every time Brady Oliveira got the ball, he was going for six, seven, eight yards. And that was a big part of the efficiency of the offense in the second half and the way they were able to control the ball, keep on moving the chains, and keep on putting the football into the end zone. So we'll give Drew Brown a ton of the credit. And it was, I mean, a historic performance by a backup throwing for 300 yards. The last time it had happened for the Blue Bombers was Keithan McCant. If you recall his name, folks, Keithan McCant in 1994 against the Sacramento Goldminers. Wow. (laughs) Replacing starting quarterback Sammy Garza, slinging Sammy's son-in-law. So this doesn't happen all the time. Um, But Drew Brown came in, as I said, he was slinging it, had a ton of confidence. The receivers stepped up. But the entire offense, I thought, was clicking at a uh, at a championship level in the second half. Although, as we'll hear from Mike O'Shea, not entirely sure that he loved the way his team came out to be down 22 nothing on the game. And uh, just quickly, we're going to hear from Drew Brown and Mike O'Shea. From the Elks perspective, Reem, because we're going to be gushing over the Bombers and everything that they did last night. How do you come back from that one last night? I'm sure, look, I'll give, I want to give credit. I saw the crowd was uh, over 19,000 under 20. So shout out to the Elks fans who came into Commonwealth Stadium. I mean, I was surprised they had that many. And we know Edmonton loves supporting their teams. Uh, They've been big supporters of the Elks. And they've had, you know, a 21-game home losing streak coming in. Haven't won since October 2019, you know, we saw the numbers on, what is it, close to 1,400 days now, and they all came out. And I think, you you know, you're up 22 nothing. You think you, you're going to win. Um, this, and for the Bombers just to slowly, you know, chip away at it, you know, you get the Kenny Lawler go-ahead touchdown, and you're still in it. But that final drive, that ending in the beautiful screen pass to Brady Oliveira, who was running, you know, north-south. He looked like, like Jerome Bettis out there just, you know, bowling over guys. And you mentioned his yards per carry. Yes, it was 7.9 yards per carry, 110 yards on the ground of 14. And he also chipped in with uh, three, or sorry, two catches uh, for 20 yards. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you feel maybe a bit better because they actually scored points this time, Hus. Uh, <laughs> they got shut out against by BC before. So I think there was some excitement for uh, for Trey Ford. And you know you'll have to see how it goes, but um, that's a, that's going to be a tough one. Like you think you think you're right there, and uh, you know, what Charlie Brown would pull, or Lucy pulls the football away from Charlie Brown. That 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 is exactly what happened last night. Um, Lucy put it out, and then whoop, sorry yeah. about that, and uh, they ended up on their butt. Listen, Edmonton, for all that they did early, or what the Bombers didn't do to put together that lead. Um, they made plenty of mistakes in that second half. I mean, it wasn't just the Bombers, a much better football team and outfit than Edmonton took over. Um, you know, penalties were a big part of the game. Bombers, credit to them. And this goes to Mike O'Shea and the entire staff. I mean, just con- consistently disciplined. And this goes back a number of years. And, and and then you see what was happening on the Edmonton side of things. 
They were squeezing it a little bit. They were feeling the Bombers coming on. There was two offside penalties on Edmonton in relatively quick uh, quick um, fashion. And, you know, right afterwards, I had to laugh. They rip over right after the offside penalty, and they get the close-up on Chris Jones, who's yelling at someone and losing it. Two minutes later, the same thing happens, albeit a different guy. He's yelling at that guy. And then two or three minutes after that, the Elks take a too-many-men penalty, which you would kind of hang on the coaches, and then he was a little quieter for that one. Uh, but I was definitely there for the Chris Jones cam after all of the penalties. And um, as I say, he there's a lot of people that maybe aren't big fans of Chris Jones. But I'm not sure anyone would wish what's going on in Edmonton on maybe even their worst enemy right now. 0-9 on the season. Um, and the Bombers get to 7-2. and But uh, let's hear from, I, I, well, I guess just quickly before we get to the coach ream. Um, you know, it's fun to talk about this win and give Drew Brown all the credit in the world that he deserves in the bomber offense and defense, frankly, for the way they suffocated Edmonton in the second half with the exception of that one big play. But we got to worry about Zach Caleros right now. And I mean, you hope that it was precautionary. Coach O'Shea just would say that it was an upper body injury and that he did not return to the game. And I was sort of upbeat on him the way we saw him jogging off the field early on. And I guess it's a great thing to know that you've got a quarterback in Drew Brown that can play the way he did last night if Zach isn't available for a while. But let's face it, Zach Caleros is the leader of this football team, and uh, the Bombers are going to hope to get some good news on him sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, I don't think anyone's coming in here today being like, Zach who? Uh, Drew, Drew Brown is... Uh, now the starter of this team. Uh, this is Zach's team. He's uh, the two-time, you know, back-to-back MOP coming into this year, and a lot of talk before the game that he's the leading candidate uh, for this season. So um, you want to see him back. You want to see him a hundred percent. Wasn't like the most violent hit you've ever seen, but like he was on the ground and um, defender, I guess, was coming in and fell in, you know, fell in with his leg to the head and. I I don't think it's going to be. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a long term thing. But you you know, for a guy who's had concussions before, you hope um, you know that he's able to take the time that he needs to recover and you know, make sure he's a hundred percent when he's when he's coming back. But I think there were a lot of questions maybe from our chat coming into the season, being like, "Are we going to be okay with Drew Brown?" I don't think there's any more questions about Drew Brown's uh, ability as backup. Yeah, no kidding. No, definitely on that. Um, and I'll, I will say this, though. I don't think we can take anything for granted. I mean, yeah, he looked pretty good running off the field, and he was there with his teammates on the sidelines. But if it is a concussion, um, who knows? I, I mean, anything is possible. Because as you mentioned, I mean, Zach has in his previously in his career, you know, missed significant time due to concussions. And he'd been very fortunate to be relatively healthy since he's become a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Uh, but that will certainly be one of the big stories that we'll be following over the course of the next week or so. Um, and speaking of that, let's hear from Drew Brown. And, um, you know, before Drew Brown came in, he saw Zach Caleros get hurt. And I know that there's been a lot of talk. I, I personally am sort of like uh, Milt Stiegel and a couple of the other members of the panel thought that that would have been flagged. Although, man, it's a tough, tough uh, flag to throw after the fact considering that it did end up being a touchdown. It was sort of a, a strange play and a poor decision by Zach, an uncharacteristic one that he made. Uh, but Drew Brown, the star of last night's game, talked about 
what he was thinking when he saw Zach Caleros go down? Uh, I mean, anytime anything happens to Zach, that's bad. Uh, you know, I never want that to happen to him. Uh, so initially, I'm kind of, you know, looking at him, seeing if he's going to get up, because uh, he typically does, because he's one of the toughest guys I've been around. Um, and, you know, obviously hurting for him. But then I was, you know, Dakota was like, hey, let's go warm up kind of thing. Um, yeah, so kind of just got loose after settling in a little bit. You know, some really good stuff from Drew Brown, who a lot of Bomber fans, to be honest, probably couldn't even pick out of a police lineup because it's usually Zach Caleros uh, in, in, in at the quarterback position. Um, and listen, it wasn't like he came in in a tie game. There was a lot of work to do. Here's what Drew thought about coming in down 22 nothing last night in Edmonton. And during a game, you never really pay too much. Or you, should, you know, there's different ways to do it, but I typically don't really mention too much about the score. I'm kind of just so uh, lost in the assignment, what I'm supposed to look at, uh, my responsibility in communicating with the guys. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was it kind of just is what it is, you know. It's with a hand you're dealt and you just chip away like we did, you know. Luckily, these guys have been in worse situations before and have come back or, you know, or something like this. Um, and I could kind of lean on them and, and guys were making plays all over the place tonight, so. All right, there's last night's hero, Drew Brown, getting some love from his teammates uh, throughout the, uh, um, you know, his answer discussing what it was like coming in down 22. Uh, I'll say one thing. He's got to be feeling great today because that young man just made himself some money last night. Um, whether it's with the Bombers and an increased price at a backup position, uh, I think you could certainly make the argument that based on what we saw last night, Drew Brown could absolutely start for other teams in the Canadian Football League. Um but Brown, I think, mostly happy with, you know, the way he was able to bring his team back from down 22 to win a football game. And he talked about just feeling good about the game, but also his role as a backup, despite what he showed last night. Since I've gotten here, I've, I've had to learn how to accept my role on a team. Uh, you know, you, as a quarterback, it's weird when, especially at the professional level, like if you're there, you're typically not a backup most of your career. <laughs> So, um, you know, the guys in that room have made it easy to kind of get on board with what we're doing. Um, so I say that to say, you come in after, after a win where you come back, even if you're not playing, it's like, man, you're just proud of the guys uh, that were out there. Um, you know, everybody contributes to a win. You know, the look teams in practice, the communication between, you know, whether it's the starting quarterback or the the third guy or whoever, like all that stuff contributes to success on on game day. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where irregardless of your role on the TV screen, uh, you're really just proud of the team. And I think that's what's special. I don't know how many teams have a, guys that are role, role guys um, that are this into the team. All right, a little more from Drew Brown. And, uh, Reem, you know, we haven't heard a lot from Drew Brown uh, before. Really, really well-spoken guy. And a guy that with an answer like that seems to have a very good perspective on both the opportunity, but as he mentioned also, his role um, behind a back-to-back -back MOP in Zach Caleros. Yeah, he spoke um, really well, too, with Ryan Rashog post-game, um, being, you know, grateful for the opportunity and, you know, gave a lot of praise to Zach 
Claris and Buck Pierce as well for, you know, teaching him about being a backup and how to prepare and how to be ready and, um, you know, really well thought out answers um, after the game. And, you know, one thing that stands out is, yeah, even though he is a backup and he mentioned guys who play small roles, there seems to be this kind of camaraderie and love for each other uh, that the Blue Bombers have. And Rashid Bailey talked about that on this program last week. But you hear it all the time as just another guy who's bought in, fully bought into the team concept uh, that the Blue Bombers have, you know, brought to the locker room, uh, led by head coach Mike O'Shea. Yeah, no, speaking of O'Shea, we're going to get to him in a second, but just grab number five. Uh, I said, I haven't heard this clip yet, but I am interested in what Drew had to say. Um, The mood in the huddle when he came in, coming off the Calaris injury, down 22 nothing. Here's what Drew had to say about uh, entering the hunt, uh, the huddle at that point. I mean, I kind of think, I don't really remember if I'm being honest, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, it's it's three possessions. You know, it's, shoot, we, we've proven we can score in a heartbeat, so I don't know, I don't think there was any stress. Um, you know, I think us putting a drive together was important, and guys were like, okay, like, we're rolling, and when you feel like you're rolling, it's kind of tough to stop guys that, you know, continuously make plays and, and answer answer the bell when it's there. All right. So, uh, you know, some great stuff from Drew Brown. We'll talk about this and more with Ken coming up. But, uh, you know, let's quickly hear what Osh had to say, because uh, I don't think he was expecting his team to come out the way they did. Again, this is a winning business. They got the win. But um, here's what Mike O'Shea had to say about the game overall last night. That's an exciting game for the fans. I know the the, the, the fans in the stands were really into it. They were making some noise and a little back and forth punching, you know. Obviously, they Edmonton started off and came out and punched us in the mouth for the first quarter and a bit, right? So it was uh, that was not an easy win. Um, uh, here's a little bit more from Coach. Um, uh, here, here, obviously, on Drew Brown's performance coming in at 0-22 on the scoreboard. There's a there's a large core of guys in that dressing room that have been down before and have just fought back, right? So they we're only down 12 at the half. We fought back in the end of the second quarter. We're only down 12 at the half. There's there's a lot of reasons to be positive. All right. Um, a lot of reasons to be positive. Well, let's see what the coach had to say about the start of the game. Not many positives in losing your number one quarterback and being down 22 nothing, but they... Here's what uh, Mike O'Shea had to say about just what went wrong at the beginning of the football game for the blue and gold. Well, I said this at halftime. If a guy goes 65 yards untouched, there are a lot of mistakes. It's not it's not one thing, right? There's a bunch of things that went wrong. Eyes, understanding of the call, where they filled, getting off blocks, like all sorts of things went wrong for that to happen. And then the second drive, they just... They out-physicaled us, right? We were still kind of sleeping, I guess. But um, yeah, after that, they had another big play. But really, they they got all their yards on the on that first two drives, and then they had one big 80-yarder or whatever it was. Other than that, they didn't really. Our defense held them in check, smartened up. Obviously, took the ball away twice, which was huge. Once in scoring position, right? So uh, yeah, just. We just needed to play better in that first, you know, 15 minutes. All right, there's a uh, bomber head coach Mike O'Shea, and 
listen, he was right. I mean, the defense wasn't ready to play and got exposed early on, but man, did they bring it afterwards. I mean, the, uh, you know, back four straight to uh, two and outs for Edmonton. Once Drew Brown, uh, you know, got in, was able to keep that bomber team in it. And with the exception of that one play, which was on a zero blitz, I mean, there was no support for the DB on the play. Um, other than that, though, they absolutely suffocated Edmonton and, um, you know, kept their team in the game and gave themselves a chance to win. We'll talk about this coming up with Weaver in just a minute. Hey, folks, don't forget, today is the last day. You can get on over to the Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram page and enter to win two three-packs of tournament passes for the Manitoba Open, courtesy of our friends at Aquatech. Just get over at Sports Talk WPG on Insta, follow the instructions, and we will be uh, picking and announcing winners after today's show. Of course, Aquatech has a lot going on right now. Limited install dates left, so visit Aquatech in-store or online to learn what they, how they can make your in-ground or above-pool dreams a reality. Of course, they're also the renovation experts with thousands of renos as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. Find out more today online at aqua-tech.ca. Um, guys, Modern Man Barbershop is there for you with eight locations in the city of Winnipeg, including the two newest locations, on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. And uh, whether you need a new cut, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more, there's expert stylists conveniently located at a Modern Man Barber shop near you. Book your look by a modernmanbarber.com online and definitely give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, the weekend is here. Do you have your batteries for everything you've got planned for the weekend? Uh, if you don't, there's only one place to go, and that is Manitoba Battery. Donnie and his great staff providing the best service and the best prices in town on batteries for literally everything. Boat batteries, camper, uh, lawn tractor, ATV, motorcycle, scooter. They've got it all. Best prices in town. Shop local. Beat the pants off the big box stores, and they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with a purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. ManitobaBattery.com has everything you need to know. You can order there, give them a phone call, or pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And with the weekend here, might be a good time to mix in a couple CC and gingers. Of course, a, a very popular beverage at IG Field and a great one at any point in the summer. The Great Taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club, and ginger ale pre-mixed cocktails and if the liquor marts are closed don't worry you can still pick it up at your local beer store as well and obviously when liquor stores are open the great taste of canada's favorite canadian whiskey canadian club there as well official spirit of wst and the winnipeg blue bombers all right let's welcome in for a friday visit the one and only ken weeb who joins us now from sportsnet.ca. Kenneth, welcome to the program. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Andrew. Great to be with you. Uh, doing excellent. Been a fun week on the MB Golf Tour and uh, lots of sports to soak in, but been a lot of uh, memory laning here with the uh, Reggie Abercrombie weekend uh, on the horizon here, Huss. Uh, I was in Wichita. I had took the long drive with uh, Paul Edmonds and Scott Unger. 
uh, was there for the clinching of the championship. And that was uh, the first one since 94 for the Gold Eyes. And Reggie Abercrombie, as you know, just such a massive personality, uh, a guy who exuded passion for the sport. Uh, you don't you don't play 20 years of professional baseball uh, and continue well into your 30s unless you really love the game, especially at the independent level. And Reggie was just a, a, a like a ball of enthusiasm, Huss. Uh, great to talk to. A uh, guy who loved the game, and oh, oh, and by the way, his name is littered throughout both the Gold Eyes and the American Association record books. Uh, this guy was a incredible outfielder, uh, an incredible athlete, incredible talent, and we know it's independent baseball, but uh, the Gold Eyes have been around for thirty years, and uh, honestly, Reggie was one of the most uh, enjoyable players to watch. And Huss, I don't say that lightly. I, I covered the team since 1999 when I was a you know, young summer student at the Winnipeg Free Press on the uh, Vince Lee Scholarship. So uh, lots of good ball players and great ball players to roll through. But Reggie, uh, one of the best to ever play in this city. Uh, he brought a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and athletic ability and Quite frankly, as someone who played some center field uh, back in the day, I, I quite enjoyed watching him patrol the outfield, uh, and and often wished that I had uh, you know an ounce of Reggie's power to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But uh, just a treat to watch, and uh, I expect it'll be uh, just an awesome uh, weekend of festivities, both at the luncheon uh, and at Shaw Park. Yeah, I, listen, it is going to be a great weekend, obviously. The luncheon today, uh, the uh, the big game tonight where uh, Reggie's jersey uh, number will be retired. And then tomorrow, I mean, just for fans, if you're going to go to one game, I mean, the Bark in the Park game is always <laughs> wild with all those dogs going on. So, uh, And the one thing I'll say just on Reggie, as great as he was as a player, the stats speak for themselves. I mean, honestly, one of the most hilarious dudes and colorful characters this organization ever saw. Yeah, no doubt about that, Huss. And, uh, and he was kind enough to uh, to join various programs of yours over the years and uh, always brought uh, a laugh and just a great perspective, Huss. That's uh, what I always loved about Reggie is that he had a great perspective. And, you know, some guys who play in the majors and come down to independent baseball, they come with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And there's there's a little bit of a I don't understand why I'm here kind of complex for some guys, which which you can understand. But Reggie never thought that way. He always wanted to get back to the majors, of course, but he loved where he was. He embraced the community. And yeah, it, when it comes to interviews, Huss, like hands down, one of the most the funniest guys you'll ever talk to. Uh, but also a guy who had such incredible knowledge given the players that he played with and the experiences that he had as such a high-level athlete. And I was very happy to learn that uh, he's continuing to pass some of that knowledge down, uh, you know, reading Mike McIntyre's story in the free press about how he was involved in travel baseball back in Georgia. And uh, I love that he was always a guy who gave back in the community, Huss, and I'm glad that there will be ball players uh, around Georgia who will – uh, learned some of the valuable lessons that Reggie learned over the years as such a, a tremendous ball player and human being. I mean, that's the other part of it that uh, should not get lost in this celebration. Uh, if you uh, if you want to get your hands on one of those Reggie bobbleheads, which are going to be in high demand, get there early to the game tonight. Um, Ken, let's get to last night. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start with this game. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, concern about Zach Caleros. I mean, as great as Drew Brown was, I think we all realize that, you know, Zach is the leader of this football team and they're going to need him if they want to win another great cup. 
But I got to tell you, there's probably a plenty of teams in the Canadian Football League that have had major issues at the quarterback position that were watching that game go- last night going, <laughs> man, Drew Brown would look pretty good in uh, in our uniform. What a performance coming off the bench. Really a historic oh. one. Only the fourth time in Bomber history a backup came in to throw over four, 300 yards. Never mind the four touchdowns, the win coming back from a 22 nothing deficit. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. Uh, and, you know, the efficiency also, 17 of 24 for those 307. And, uh, yes, there were some acrobatic plays that needed to be made. But, I mean, the rollout by Brown showing some great mobility. And I think the arm was what stood out to me, Huss. I mean, obviously, we know he hasn't had a ton of reps uh, at the CFL level so far because of how well Kalaros has played over the last several seasons. And uh, I love the arm strength. I love the mobility. And I think the thing that really stands out, Huss, is the poise. It, it's hard to be poised and confident as a backup quarterback because the opportunities are so rare for you to get in the game especially in an impactful game, Huss, right? Usually it's a garbage time special for those guys, whether it's a blowout in, in the lead most often for the Bombers. Uh, you know, they're not, you're not being asked to orchestrate a whole lot of uh, epic kind of comebacks, uh, but that's what you saw. <laughs> I love the clip that you played of him that uh, he wasn't noticing the score. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> that's a great concept to have, but don't tell me you're not looking up and saying, you know, we need a few more touchdowns here, right? That's so, next level O'Sheaism. <laughs> like next level, uh, you know what? Hey, it's just another game. No, you're in the middle of a game. It's just another play, regardless of what the score is. You know what my job is right here? To execute on this one plan. Hell, the dude Do your job, exec- Huss. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a vin- there's a, some vintage Belichickianisms flowing there from that one right there. But you, you have to love the way that he handled himself in all of those fronts. Uh, another great effort by Brady Oliveira. And when it comes to the injury, Huss, obviously it was serious. But what I would say to all the people who are, you know, we're not doctors. We're just asked to play them on TV and YouTube. But if Zach is having serious uh, symptoms. Let's not kid ourselves. This is a guy who has a concussion history. You have to be yeah. cognizant of that. But if you are having some of the major symptoms from a concussion, you're not jog- you're not jogging off the field, and you are not sitting on the sidelines in your civvies cheering under most circumstances. Now, it looked like they were working more with the neck area. Um, that could be whiplash, you know, but this probably looks more precautionary than long-term. We won't know more for a few days. Obviously uh, coaches don't like All to share that information. Concussion. No, for sure. But I just think, and again, symptoms can come after the fact. We understand yeah. that uh, we're not medical experts, but we know that that can be later on. Mm-hmm. Now, when a guy who's nearly 300 pounds lands on your head, we understand the, the, the helmet is very protective, but um, yes, there will be uh, you know, moments in the next few days uh, where it will be, uh, you know, hold your breath type of scenario for the organization and for the fan base and and for everything else. But to me, I would say it was a positive sign that Kalaros was there on the sidelines. He was there to give support to the quarterback group. And I would say the chances of it being more precautionary uh, were probably high. But again, with concussions, potentially you don't know. Having said all of that, uh, again, we'll see how things go. And as you mentioned, uh, the Bombers seem to be in good hands if they have to play without their starting quarterback for any length of time. Now, they don't want to have to play without him, but I think that they can be patient given how well Drew Brown played. 
And, you know, quite frankly, O'Shea's quote about the sleepwalking was, uh, or sleepiness was, was very bang on. And I, I love the fact that Mike shared that because it would have been easy to say, you know, no big deal. This was in the bag. Like he flat out was saying we weren't good enough. Now, of course, if you fall behind 22 to nothing to a team that has not won a home game since 2019, something has to have gone uh, pretty wrong when it comes to the defending. But as you mentioned, the defense figured it out. Uh, I think the Elks got a little bit conservative and, you know, the Bombers took full advantage and we know that the composure element stretched well beyond the backup quarterback because this is a team that didn't panic. They didn't, you know, go crazy on the playbook looking for long bombs here and there and everywhere. They stuck with their bread and butter and found their way to chip away at the lead. Even something as simple as how often have we talked about the kicking game over the last four or five years, the Bombers went out and put together a late drive. And when it stalled, they had a guy come out and kick a 53-yard field goal and bring them, you know, within 12 at the half, I believe, right? That got them to 22 to 10. So, yeah. I mean, these are things that championship level teams find a way to do. And as we also know, Huss, in sports, athletes always say it's not a trap game. It's not a trap game. No big deal. But when you blow out one of the best teams in the league and one of your big rivals and you play a team that has not won, there is naturally a little bit of a sigh of relief letting out period. And Hey, the bombers found a way to make sure that it didn't end up in the L column for them. And they still got the wake up call that they required. So let's see what they do now. They've got a great fun matchup coming up in Calgary coming up next Friday. Uh, it'll be another good test for them. And Huss, for me, this makes me think of how the offensive line had sort of been under duress and scrutiny earlier in the year. Uh, the defense, and particularly, I think, the run defense, uh, which was a little bit leaky early on for the Bombers, they got a bit of a wake-up call, but then became very smothering uh, in that second half. So I think that that unit is going to be... Uh, there's good as you know, Hus, from when we attend practices on occasion. I think that that defensive group is going to be doing a lot of barking this week at the offense and trying to get ready uh, to face a Stamps team that has so shown some signs of life here. I, I think that they want to uh, firmly establish where they stand in the in the West and say, "Hey, you're not catching us," and and you're going to be back battling for that last playoff spot by the time the weekend is over. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, you you mentioned the defense getting got very early in the football game. I just have to tell this story. I was at a meeting and I was coming back to watch the game, but I was a little bit behind schedule. So I was actually in the car for the first play of the game. And this <laughs> might be, might've been the most incredible announcer jinx that I have ever heard before. But DT has Ed Tate in the booth and whatever the kickoff comes in and talking about it. And then they come in and, DT, and I'll paraphrase this, but basically said, okay, Kevin Brown's in the backfield for the Elks. Going to be a long night for him. Probably no <laughs> chance he gets anywhere close to his 48-and-a-half-yard total. And Brown has the ball. He's untouched. 55 <laughs> yards into the end zone. It was absolutely classic. I'm going to try and get the, uh, get the, <laughs> the, the audio from our that. friends yes. or from, uh, from OB. Um, yeah, but they got punched in the mouth early on by a team that was pretty hungry. But I I'll tell you what, on both sides of the football, I mean, the way the Bomber defense suffocated the Elks offense once they got going, 
and the relentlessness starting with that offensive line, Ken. I mean, in the first segment, yeah. talking with Remus, I said the point that I thought the Bombers were winning that football game was about five minutes into the third quarter when they were running at will, seven yards, eight yards a carry, moving the chains, um, and it wasn't really close. And if you can, if you can dominate a team on the line of scrimmage, victory is inevitable. And it did sort of feel that way, uh, you know, combined with the brilliant performance of the quarterback and, I mean, the receivers stepping up, Sean Dembski, and I mean that catch from Kenny Lawler. Oh, Are you Huss. kidding me? <laughs> Best part of that whole thing, Huss, is the post-game interview. What he says, just another routine catch for Kenny Lawler. <laughs> And then you watch yeah. the replay. Yeah, drop the he third person, behind. Kenny Lawler, yeah. in there too. <laughs> he gets the one hand up, hauls it in. The DB is like, "Are you serious? That's well covered, and but perfectly thrown to a place where only Kenny Lawler can get it, and only Kenny Lawler can get it with one hand and haul it in and say, "Oh, by the way, no problems here. Put up another six spot on the board." I mean. Incredible. I love the way that they spread the love around again. Sean Dembski, Oliveira, Lawler on the four receiving touchdowns. Uh, did a nice job, as you mentioned, on the ground and pound. Dembski also involved in the run game. Uh, just having a fantastic season uh, in all facets of the game after becoming a dad. I mean, Dembski just absolutely on fire out there. Uh, Oliveira, I, I love this Hus. I mean, we know there were a couple fumbles early, but this is a guy who is so locked in right now. And hey, this is one of the, we know the Canadian content and we know it was a big week for Wade Miller uh, celebrating a big anniversary and all those things. But the, the the ability for the Winnipeggers to come in and still continue to have such an incredible impact on a football team, which is one of the best in the CFL. Uh, this is this is vintage Manitoba, Hus. I mean, people are proud of those guys, but I think the fact that they are star players on the the bombers is sometimes an undertold story in a lot of ways and i think uh, that that says a lot about those two people as individuals as football players and it's a great thing for the community the coaching that they got going up and all of those things and i think it's got to be incredibly cool for them and we know it is from talking to them what it means to them to be able to wave the bomber flag in their hometown uh, on a great team and and have your buddies in the stands where there's 30,000 people. I mean, it's something that not a lot of people get to experience us. And uh, you know, those are two great human beings as well and, and do a lot in the community. And uh, again, I'm not saying that it's under told by local people. I just think that it's something that people have some a little bit taken for granted to a certain degree. Uh, and it's something that uh, is to be celebrated uh, on a, you know, not necessarily a weekly basis, but uh, something that I think that, football in the province and you know, football Manitoba and all those people can, can take an enormous amount of pride in. And, and even just the, like they are ready, like the torch passing that happened from Harris to Oliveira yeah. is another incredible story in a league that has historically yet. Yeah, there have been some well, great Canadian running backs. Wade Miller who, you know, 10 years in, I mean, look at where that team was in 2013 right. uh, when he took over to where it is right now. Um, that That's a pipe dream for the Edmonton Elks organization at this point. And listen, I mean, they're 0-9 right now. They continue to extend the longest home losing streak in North American pro sports history. Um, and I can't keep, take my eyes off them. Um, they are, 
And I mean, maybe it's, you know, what's happening on the sidelines, Chris Jones's frustration, or just the fact that this team with a lot of talent on it continues to be, um, well, where they are in the standings. Ken, like, how do you come back from this one? I mean, they've, they've found different and incredible ways to lose. And obviously they were big underdogs, but man, you get spotted 22 points and the other team's number one goes out. Um, I just, I guess, another incredible chapter in the story that the Elks are writing, which is uh, hilarious from outside the market, but probably incredibly sad and really damaging that brand and that organization. Oh, it's wild for the green and gold there. I mean, this is not the Hugh Campbell era, Huss. I mean, let, let's get real here. I mean, this is, a, is an organization that really has had been the gold standard for a very long time in the CFL, especially in the 80s. Uh, it is sad to a certain degree as well, of course. Like this is a, this is a franchise the league needs to be doing well. I mean, look, look at you're watching the game yesterday. It's it's family and friends. It's a family and friends special out there, right? And you can understand why folks would be frustrated and not want to sh- you know throw down their cash to support. But it's just become a place where they are going to need a massive overhaul. And us, we know that due to the circumstances with the coach's cap. That overhaul doesn't appear to be coming. And the other part for me, Huss, I mean, the 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 new starter comes in, Trey Ford, looking good, running for touchdowns, orchestrating drives, comes out after a start and says, I think we got a little conservative. And the coach responds by saying, maybe you should stay in your lane and execute the plays that are called. I mean, like at some point, I mean, Chris Jones is a smart football guy. I mean, you had Eddie Steele on. Listen to what Eddie Steele said about Chris Jones. At some point, don't take that as a personal attack. I mean, if a young quarterback who you just gave the starting job to comes in and has you in a 22 nothing lead, maybe there's, there's probably more than a shred of truth in what Trey Ford said. Now, you can come back and say, hey, Trey Ford, you've been in the league for five minutes. Maybe you should keep those thoughts to yourself. But us as journalists, we're always asking athletes to be open and honest. And then when I like what's going to happen now, is Trey Ford going to be benched for insubordination to his head coach after what was a promising start for the uh, University of Waterloo quarterback? I mean, that's what we're going to be watching now, right? I mean, it's it's bizarre and it's quite honestly quite sad for one of the flagship franchises, but they're going to have to find a way to dig their way out of it. You know, they don't want to have a 0-16 season. I mean, come on now. Let's figure it out. Yeah, well, that, it's 0-18. Or sorry, we'll actually. be 0-18. Sorry, Huss. Yes, we don't want to. They're halfway to a perfect <laughs> season right now at 0-9 after last night. All right, Ken Weave is with us from Sportsnet. Um, Kenny, what would you think of the Carlson trade? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Um was out with our friend MJ. We we're playing uh, golf with Jimmy Toth and uh, MJ out at Fal- and Kevin O at Falcon uh, when the deal came down. Uh, we know the Penguins have been in hot pursuit uh, of Eric Carlson, one of several teams that had been linked to him. Uh, it is a statement move by Kyle Dubas, a bold move for sure. Uh, I think there is an injection of enthusiasm for what is. I mean, we we talk about core groups for quite a lot, Huss. The difference, you know, there's a major difference between the Penguins core group and the Jets core group in terms of the banners that have been raised to the rafters. But for a team that was looking for a spark, I mean, it's tough to argue with going out and getting the Norris Trophy winner and a guy who had an 100-point season. I mean, 
that should help the Penguins. Uh, they were a team that was very, they're very top heavy. They'll continue to be top heavy, but they also have a guy who produces offense at an elite rate. Now, does Eric Carlson come in and, and be the human eraser and erase all of the issues the Penguins have? Of course not. They still are going to need to defend, and they're going to need Tristan Jari to remain healthy and play at probably close to, if not at, an all-star level. Now, they're also going to need secondary scoring. They have taken some steps on those fronts as well in terms of some of their offseason signings. Um, in terms of the return, Huss, I know some folks are hard on this, but like you're Mike Greer, Andrew. Mike Greer's goal was not to have to give up 50% on the dollar for four seasons. He accomplished that goal quite handily. Now, he had to take Mike Hoffman's fairly substantial contract in return, but it's one year of Mike Hoffman. And quite frankly, if you're tanking, Mike Hoffman is a perfect player on a tanking team because he can score you some goals and he can probably be someone you flip at the deadline at 50% on the dollar or whatever the number is when it's very minuscule against the cap. And you turn that into another asset. I mean, did the Sharks get a whole lot better by trading their best player? Absolutely not. But for a team that's not going to be competitive for the majority of the years left on Carlson's contract, you know, Mike Greer accomplished his goals. I mean, it's not like it was before us. And, you know, we'd look back on this trade 10 years ago, pre salary cap crunch era and think, what are the sharks doing? Well, we know what they're doing. They're trying to position themselves to be on the up and up in about three or four years when Eric Carlson would be at the end of his contract and in his late thirties. So you can understand it. I mean, if you're a Sharks fan, now you hate this deal probably, right? Unless you unless you're on board for the full rebuild, which which having been in that arena hus last year, there weren't a lot of people on board for the full rebuild in the arena that was once full and one of the loudest in the National Hockey League. So in terms of Montreal, I, I'm it, it's interesting. They they certainly uh, got them got rid of a couple of assets. They've made some room for young players. They brought themselves an insurance policy in Casey DeSmith on the back end. They're probably going to flip Jeff Petrie either before the season or during. Um, you know, fine. You know, get you want to get involved as a third party. I would say they did pretty well in that. Uh, is it a transformative move for them? No, but I, I think it's it's something that will help them on the asset management side. Um, but at the same time, I would say that. Uh, Pittsburgh still is probably looking to to do a little bit more movement, especially with Jake Gensel being out uh, at least to start the season there. Now, there's not a lot of wiggle room there either if you're Pittsburgh, right? So uh, well, it's going to be... Josh Yowie was on with us yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I haven't been paying that much attention to all the off-season checklists for Dubas in his new spot. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they said that there was three contracts that they wanted to move. Petrie, um, <laughs> Granlund, check, and Jan Ruda, and, and managed to do it. I mean, it really is interesting. And I mean, listen, I bring it up just because it is one of the biggest trades. Rarely do we see a three-team trade that legitimately has pieces moving. I mean, sometimes a team will just, whatever, take a bit of salary and get a pick. Yeah. But for, I mean, listen, for a trade market that still has a lot of pieces on it that haven't been able to move, I mean, I have to give credit to the creative way that this was worked on, how long it took to happen. And, you know, it does make me think, you know, is there is there maybe another way that general managers like Kevin Sheveldayoff can potentially approach 
potential moves that they have um, and get things done. Because obviously we haven't seen very many deals done like this, certainly to the scope, the way it was with all three teams involved with multiple pieces going in both directions. For sure, Huss. I mean, I like the way that you think uh, the wheels are always turning, but I, I would say that this is this is more of a more of a one-off than a copycat special right now. And, and for these reasons, Rem Pit- Pitlick was on waivers last year, I believe. And Mike Hoffman is a guy that the Habs knew that they paid too much for and have been trying to get rid of. So in a lot of ways, we know the third-party broker is often getting assets coming to them. In this case, they actually, it was more of the shipping out element so they weren't a traditional third-party broker is what I'm trying to say, even though they did bring some players back into their into the fold for themselves. Now, <clears throat> having said that, their assets will be coming in later on when the next round of uh, asset management is is played forth. In terms of the Jets, I, I don't think it's uh, apples to apples because, sure, there might be some teams, those high-end contenders, that would be looking for a team to, to take some salary on but Eric with Carlson, we were talking about an eleven and a half million dollar player, right? These guys are in the sixes, so that's not to say other teams might not try to follow the model. I just don't think that that is as big of an impediment in terms of why it's taken so long for Carlson versus why. I mean, our perception is it's taking long for Hellebuck and Shifley because of all the rumors and hype around the draft. Well, I point this out more around the blue line. Um, and really, I mean, that had nothing to do with Carlson, to be honest, but I mean, it sort of did seem like Montreal, for instance, they desperately wanted to get rid of the Mike Hoffman contract. So right, they, they ended have forwards, up do- they want to play. They ended up doing that and then bringing in a guy like Petrie that's still an asset, but he's a guy that will be a depth defenseman. Um, you know, is there, can there be a deal out there where the Winnipeg Jets maybe move one of their blue liners um, and get it, whether it's a forward or another guy that would be a death piece somewhere else in the lineup, but allows them um, you know, to break up that log jam a little bit that we've been talking about for two years and is not going away going into training camp unless there's a move made. Yeah, I mean, teams are always looking to improve their defense core, and the Jets are one of those teams. So, And they have a surplus of assets. So sure, it stands to reason that that those trades could still be available. And let's not forget, I mean, we saw it with our own eyes, Huss. Jeff Petrie is not that far removed from being a bona fide top four, top three defenseman on a team that made the Stanley Cup final and basically protected the front of their net to the point where the Jets could generate very little offense. So Petrie is a guy who I believe will be of interest to contenders. As my colleague at sportsnet.ca, Eric Engels, wrote, if you can now go, you know, Petrie at 50%, he only becomes a 2.35, I think, million dollar cap hit. So that is going to be appealing to a lot of those teams that are right at the very top of the salary cap. Um, right now, Petrie isn't a $6 million player, but I mean, he, he could easily be a $2.35 million player. And I don't think it's going to be coming with the Montreal Canadiens. Now, what that means for the Jets in terms of the marketplace is tough to discern because they have some bigger ticket contracts that they might consider moving, but those have been the hardest to move so far, which has led us to believe, well, what or wonder and speculate, well, what's happening? Could it mean they're going to trade one of the younger defensemen? Um, so I don't think we have any clarity there. But if there was a deal to be made, I think it might have been made already. If we're talking about a Dylan DeMello or Brendan Dillon or some of those other guys with contracts that seem to be a little bit more palatable for some of the other teams, 
as compared to a Neil Pionk or a Nate Schmidt. So only Kevin Cheveldayoff and his staff know for sure what the depth chart looks like and who would be at the top of that list of guys they would A, like to move or B, like to extend. Um, Kenny, this has been fun. Before we go out, uh, I need to I need to bring up a a historic moment in WSD history. In fact, maybe broadcasting history. We've often joked about the trips to the buffet, um, but last week on this program, you basically <laughs> ransacked a Safeway with what could be a Guinness Book of World Records eighteen-minute answer for all time. Have you? I knew I knew it was long. I didn't know it was that long. And hey, shout out to Bailey Weeb, the intern, uh, for the transcription on the Twitter machine last week. That was uh, an well, impressive the display. funny thing was that was those were summaries. I know. Like, we had we had asked for a transcription, but unfortunately, <laughs> the computer didn't have enough memory. They needed to put it all together. Anyways, classic stuff. Oh, I stayed away. Man. I stayed away from the second line center topic today Incredible. because we've got a lot of. I'm exhausted, Huss. I'm exhausted. I'm still exhausted. A week later, uh, I, do, I I was hoping you wouldn't go there. I have no new thoughts, uh, though I did enjoy people. Uh, people's attack of my Nemesnikov suggestion. I mean, uh, I love the fact that people are so engaged. Hey, and when, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to go 18 minutes. I promise. When I we understand it was a small sample size, and when I say there is chemistry there, what I mean is that it's not guaranteed to work. I didn't say that. I didn't say his best results it's were with him. What I'm saying is, it's something I would like to see more of because I saw glimpses of potential there. Now, do I understand that Vlad Nemesnikov's best game was on a line with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry, where they shut down Connor McDavid and he had two or three points? Of course I know that. I was in the building. I saw it with my own eyes. That, too, was a small sample size. So all I'm saying, I'd like to see more. I'd also like to see him with Gabe Velarde. I'd like to see him with a lot of different people but I do think it's worth pursuing. That was, that was the point in that long winded answer. It it takes a true level of greatness to start talking (laughs) about the second line center to manage to get around to Vili Hainala and, and then just drop in Shohei Otani as well at the same time. I mean, this, this was the CTO was in the chair. I wanted to make life as easy as possible for him. Uh, He knows that when you get the, uh, the the Weebs World machine spinning that the that the hamster was flowing, uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. And Hus, before I let you go, quick shout out to the Elmwood Giants, U twenty two national champions, uh, for the you know, awesome. It was just that's great stuff to see. I, I am a MJBL alum. Uh, I did get to play in the Nationals one year in Kitchener in 1996 with the Pemina Valley Orioles, uh, but we were not in the gold. We were not on the platform. We were not on the podium there. So uh, outstanding job by uh, t- the team there. Uh, great to see. It looked like, I mean, as someone who's played a lot of baseball in Stonewall, uh, senior ball with the Stonewall Blue Jays, it's, it's a great facility, great ballpark, great support in the community. Uh, it's great to see them host an event of that magnitude and, as we talked about earlier with uh, with Dempsey and Dembski and Oliveira, awesome to see a Manitoba team perform that well at that stage. For perspective, folks, Manitoba had not won a national championship at the junior level since 2010, and that was already, I think, uh, 
an impressive and historic uh, accomplishment in itself. I uh, just wanted to do a quick shout out for that crew there. And Hus, how was your trip? I was uh, I was with another member of the St. Mallow Connection, uh, Jake Lafrenay, for some golf this week on the tour uh, while you and Mo were out in the hey, boat at hey, Aikens. There's nothing better than that weekend uh, out at Aikens. We had a hell of a great time. And uh, uh, the only thing I was upset was that I missed 18 minutes of history <laughs> yesterday on this program. Uh, have a great weekend, dude. Thanks uh, so much. And uh, we'll get back together next week. Yeah, great to talk to you. Welcome back and uh, have a tremendous weekend yourself, man. Good Cheers. stuff. There's Kenny Weeb, sportsnet.ca and at Weeb's World. Um, all right, Mike McIntyre's coming up, uh, but I do want to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for their support of WST. If you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too, uh, it's Vita Health with six locations and online at myvita.ca. And by the way, right now, if you sign up for their promotional emails, you'll receive an offer for 15% off uh, your next online order at myvita.ca. Details on the website if you want to take advantage of those big savings. Uh, hey, get ready for barbecue oh, barbecue weekend. Grass-fed bison and beef steaks uh, waiting for you at Vita Health. And wash them down with some sober carpenter beer or Santa Cruz lemonade. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Well, as we mentioned, big weekend with Reggie Abercrombie going up into the rafters at Shaw Park. Tonight is Reggie Bobblehead night and the retirement. Obviously, today, the uh, the luncheon. Tomorrow, though, is Bark at the Park. And our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing overhead door specialist, are uh, part of the event. They're supplying the pedestrian fence for the dog registration pen for Bark in the Park and are sponsoring the pet photo booth next to Craft Beer Corner. Make sure to pop by there with your pet if you're at the game. Um, Wallace and Wallace are the fencing experts. They can do a dog run for you as well and obviously have all sorts of temporary fencing available for rental for residential events and commercial events as well. Find out more, 452-2700, wallacefences.com. Um, and, of course, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead doors, too. Pop by and see them at their showroom over on Lawson Place. Um, guys, how's the uh, closet looking? Fall's just around the corner. If you need to up your menswear game, you need to get down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are in a wedding, having one, or in a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount when the fellas get suited up at F Apparel with the uh, entire wedding party. It's all there for you waiting at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can also check out more online or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And uh, hopefully it gets a little bit nicer than it is today going into the weekend. But listen, we don't really need 30 or 35 degrees to know that it's always a great time to get a blizzard down at Nick and Nicky DQ. Summer blizzard flavors are here and available at the four Nick and Nicky locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And while you're there, pick up uh, maybe a rack of Dilly Bars, ice cream sandwiches, or my personal favorite, the Buster Bar. And you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you'd like to get a custom ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event. Um, all right, let's uh, get.
get Mike McIntyre in here for uh, a little bit more on WST. Thank you very much, Hustler. Holding it down. Great conversation with Ken Weeb on the Bombers. What, NHL offseason, a little bit. Background on the legendary 18-minute answer from last week's show. You're going to have to uh, want to watch that. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'm about to hook up with Mike McIntyre, who was just at the Gold Eyes Luncheon. Hustler did a very nice Q&A at the luncheon with Gold Eyes legend Reggie Abercrombie. Uh, hosted by Ace Burpee as well, repping the WST hat, and Mike McIntyre looking great in his car on the way home. While I bring in Mike, we didn't get to these uh, Winnipeg Jets or Winnipeg Blue Bombers clips from yesterday. I wanted to play this one from Drew Brown, where I think it was Taylor Allen from the Winnipeg Free Press asked Drew, uh, do you feel like a backup quarterback after doing what you just did out there? Four touchdowns, 300 passing yards. You don't feel like a backup quarterback, do you? Uh, I mean, you never, you, you should never, at least in my opinion. Um, but it's kind of uh, one of those things that you, you know, you think very highly of yourself, obviously, in the most humble way. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't sit here and be like, yeah, I want to be a backup. Um, but, being around Zach and Buck in Dakota in this team has made me kind of be able to take a step back and and understand that despite where I stand on maybe the depth chart, you know, the the team is more important and I can still contribute from that role. And then when this hap- when something like this happens, now your role is a little bit different. You got to step up and you got to make plays and that's where kind of the self-belief and and the confidence comes from. Love that clip from Drew Brown, uh, putting the team ahead of yourself. Absolutely incredible. And I should clarify, people wondering what is happening right now. Where did Hustler go? Uh, We did a a little bit of magic and uh, recorded the first hour of the show. Uh, Earlier, Hustler was hosting the Gold Eyes Luncheon, where Mike McIntyre was. Um, So I'm I'm here. Hustler's on his way home. He'll be back for the marble race. He's not going to miss that. But uh, I'm here with Mike. Mike, I believe I have you now. Uh, how's it going, Mike? How you're back? How was the vacation? The uh, hello Remus, hello Winnipeg Sports Talk Nation. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, oh, I don't know if you can see it. I do have a bit of a tan. Uh, it was a burn that turned into a tan. But yeah, we were uh, we were sailing the high seas of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, my wife, our, our two kids, age 21 and 18, took a, uh, a glorious week-long uh, Caribbean cruise. We got off the ship last Sunday, spent a bonus day in Florida, and then uh, back to reality this week. Um, and uh, it's, I, I'm wondering what happened to the heat. Where'd the heat go? We had a lot of heat in the Caribbean. There is not a lot of heat to be found in Winnipeg this week, uh, Remus. Um, but I guess you're bringing the heat on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Thank you. That, something. Yeah, you should. Well, you took, you know, the heat was here last weekend. I don't know where you were uh, on a cruise, I guess. And I'm sure the Gold Eyes kind of bombed about the weather. Big week for them. Yeah. Reggie Abercrombie, Jersey uh, retirement. Oh, you got the bobblehead. Oh, the bobblehead giveaway tonight uh, and the luncheon. So they were re- rained out last night. Bark at the park. I don't know if you're going 
to bark at the park with Piper uh, tomorrow. I, I think if I were to bring Piper to bark at the park, it would be chaos at the park. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was actually talking to Ace Burpee uh, just a bit ago, his, his dog Bally. Uh, I asked Ace if he's going to bark at the park tomorrow. And he said, uh, my dog has been banned from Shaw Park. And I said, oh, who, who issued the ban? And Ace said, I did. Um, so I, I, I think I've issued a, a similar ban to Piper. Um, she would just be so infatuated with all the other dogs that it would be, I, I, I probably wouldn't see a single second of the actual ball game. I am going to the game tonight uh, for Reggie Abercrombie's big night, uh, Jersey retirement. The bobblehead giveaway, of course, first 1,000 fans. And then uh, post-game fireworks. And yeah, let's hope Mother Nature is a Winnipeg Gold Eyes slash Reggie Abercrombie fan. And the rain that we've seen so far today holds off. Uh, from what I heard at the luncheon today, Remus, they are going to do everything humanly possible to uh, get the game in tonight. So if you have tickets or thinking about going down, uh, I'd say there's a very good chance that it is going to go ahead because... The Gold Eyes have so much planned for tonight. They they don't want to see it get washed out, clearly. Yeah, yeah. That was unfortunate. They had to uh, cancel yesterday's game. But tonight is a go. The luncheon was a go. Reggie made it there. Oh. How how did Hustler do uh, at the luncheon? That's what everyone wants to know. So I was laughing because um, Dan Chase of the Gold Eyes gave Hustler the five-minute warning to kind of wind down the chat with Reggie. And so Hustler said... Uh, well, one last question for you, Reggie. Now, thankfully, it was Reggie Abercrombie and not Ken Weeb who was answering the question because Reggie kept it pretty succinct and they were able to get it done. I was I was trying to picture Kenny uh, giving the one, one last answer and uh, the luncheon turning into what probably would have been a dinner. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I say it with love. Kenny knows I... Uh, uh, I say it in jest. Um, I'm I'm sad that I missed the legendary. I'm gonna have to go back and and watch that clip. I actually want I want a full transcript of that marathon answer from that <laughs> monologue from Kenny Weeb because it sounds like an absolute all timer uh, from him. Uh, covered a lot of bases uh, in his answer by the sounds of it. I think he covered all the bases. So many, so many of the bases um, that we didn't need to touch on the Jets second line center with him today. And I also said it just illustrates, Mike, that we don't really know who the Jets second line center no. is. There's so many questions that Ken had to go on an 18 minute answer. From what I understand, Hustler filled me in at the lunch today about the answer. From what I understand, again, I have yet to see it. Did Kenny actually throw out Vili Hainala and Shoei Otani? Yes. Potential, uh, or somehow the, they they got into his answer. Uh, I'll say this. I don't know who the second line center is necessarily going to be, but I'm pretty confident in saying that Shoei Otani and Vili Hainala will not be in the running for the 2C position uh, when training camp gets underway six weeks from now. <laughs> Yeah, and shout out to we do have a summary uh, written by Bailey who tweeted at it. Did see the summary cover? I thought that was the whole answer. <laughs> the fact that that's just the summary is uh, is incredible. So, 
the media, we have a thing sometimes, like when we interview, let's say Kevin Day off does an availability and there's all of us that are in on it, of course, we often do a quote loop where we break up, you know, we're all, we've all heard the same thing. So rather than all of us transcribing on our own, we'll break up the work and, and actually put a transcript together. I told Kenny earlier today that I'm going to uh, round up the quote loop uh, so that we could perhaps get a verbatim transcript of his 18-minute diatribe uh, in written form. So uh, we'll see if I can pull that together. And then maybe we, we, we'd probably have to post it, what, as a PDF? Obviously, even if you subscribe to Twitter Blue, where I think you can <laughs> have like a gazillion, uh, that still wouldn't be enough, right? It would need to be a PDF. We're going to have to do something with it, like hang it up uh, at the Jets Hall of Fame or Manitoba right. Sports Writers Manitoba Hall of Sports Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, I think we should induct it. I know they just <laughs> announced the inductees for this year last week. But, yes, we should print it out and put it on display. I know they got some great, just, some great just stuff don't there. Let, just don't let Kenny make a speech. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like we can induct it into the Hall of Fame, but do not call upon him to make mm. a speech. <laughs> One more thing on the uh, the Gold Eyes luncheon. Hustler told yep. me there was a very nice moment that involved a surprise oh. uh, with Reggie Abercrombie there. It was awesome. Uh, uh, Rick Forney, the longtime wow. beloved skipper, um, who, of course, left the organization last year so he could take a job much closer to home. He was a, a surprise guest. Uh, and I talked to Rick a bit uh, just before I left here uh uh, and I, I said to him, like, did anybody know you were coming? And he said only Sam Cates and Andrew Collier, you wow. know, just a couple people. And they kept it close to the vest. Reggie Abercrombie had no idea Rick was coming. And there was a, I, I don't know if you can pull it up, Remus. I actually tweeted a picture because I caught the moment where Rick and Reggie embraced. Both men were in tears. Uh, the place went nuts because it was a genuine moment where Reggie Abercrombie was, was just shocked to see Rick Forney there. And, you know, Rick was overcome with emotion. There's no question. And, and, you know, it's funny. I got to know that those guys and that team pretty well. There's the picture. Um, Because I moved into the sports department at the free press in 2016. My very first assignment in sports was to cover the gold eyes that summer and, of course, they went on to win the championship. And I was there in Wichita, Kansas, uh, when Reggie and Rick Forney and company won what would be the first of back-to-back championships. And then I covered them again in 2017 when they retained much of the same core. And that's kind of how I got my feet wet in sports. And because of that, like, I've always felt a really strong bond or connection to, you know, that era of the gold eyes and some of those those players and Rick Forney, uh, who I had a great relationship with. So it was awesome today. Uh, I, I actually caught up with Reggie yesterday on the phone and did a piece on him in today's paper. And then to catch up with Rick today, and I'll see him again later tonight at the game. That, that was just, it was tremendous. And it was just a great all around. I mean, I know the gold eyes aren't having the greatest season this year. They're really struggling. Um, but it's their 30th anniversary. They're a staple on the Winnipeg sports scene. And, you know, what they were able to do today um, with Reggie and Rick being there and just celebration of so much good about that organization. It was just a great, uh, a great afternoon. And yeah, Hustler knocked it out of the park with his, with his hot stove session. He actually got a great answer from Reggie about uh, the two 
things that he really missed about Winnipeg restaurant wise. Uh, clay oven. Oh yeah. Was one. The second one was Wendy's uh, and Reggie revealed and, and hustler said this was the, the big hot take from Reggie that Wendy's in Canada are completely different and better than Wendy's in the United States. And so, uh, uh, Reggie said that that's uh, he's going for Wendy's tonight. Uh, Hosser said he'd he'd set him up with a bacon deluxe. That's right. Yeah, Reggie always had really good um, fast food takes when we'd have yeah. him on uh, twelve ninety, and he did say that. And I and I do agree. It, it, there are differences uh, with the same restaurants between U.S. and Canada. But moving on from the Gold Eyes, Mike, what was your range of emotions uh, for the Bomber game? And the big question. When did you start to feeling feel like okay, uh, the bombers? I think they got this one, or they can come back here. I mean, to be honest, even when they were down twenty-two nothing, I part of me still thought the Eskimos or the the Elks, sorry, are going to remember who they are and what they are. The bombers are going to remember who they are and what they are. And you know, I guess at that point, you wondered, okay, is the clock the enemy? But it was 22 nothing. what, and they had played about 19 minutes of the game. There's still 41 minutes on the clock. Um, now, of course, the fact that Zach Caleros was out of the game, um, normally I wouldn't have, any, have had really any doubt about the Bombers' ability to put up a whole bunch of points against Edmonton, even despite the big deficit. But, of course, with, with Zach Caleros injured, um, you wondered, okay, what does this mean for the offense? Well, we got that answer, and uh, uh, Drew Brown, I mean, the understudy kind of stole the show. And you got to think, Remus, you know, you look around the CFL this year, and it's pretty obvious that quarterbacking is a huge issue for a lot of teams. Part of that is because of injuries. There's been a lot of them. But just quality of depth, um, it just ain't what it used to be, right? The CFL used to be, there was a, a time not that long ago where there was every, almost every team had a, a star at quarterback. There aren't a whole lot of those stars anymore. The Bombers, of course, have a really big one in Zach Caleros. But I have to think that there were a lot of CFL teams watching last night's game and watching what Drew Brown did, thinking, how is their backup better than anything we have on our roster? And yes, it was against winless Edmonton, so maybe you have to take it all with a grain of salt, but I, I think you can't ignore the fact that the Bombers were in a 22 nothing hole. Edmonton, with all of the pressure, you know, they're a marquee franchise that has fallen on extremely hard times. And a win last night over Winnipeg would have meant the world. So it's not like they rolled over and played dead. The Bombers just came to life. And you know, what Drew Brown was able to do was remarkable. And maybe the silver lining here for the Bombers, Remus, is that, I mean, you never want to see your number one go down. But my goodness, the Bombers certainly got a glimpse of what they may have in Drew Brown and maybe what the future might look like uh, last night. And I think that's probably a, a bit of a blessing, you know. Um, better that it happens in whatever game nine of the regular season than the West final or the gray cup. And hopefully Zach Caleros, you know, the fact he was on the sidelines, I think was a really good sign. Um, and maybe it was just precautionary more than anything that they kept him out of that game. Uh, but Drew Brown certainly held his own and, um, you know, the bombers did what we kind of expect them to do. Their, their star receivers made great catches. 
Um, you know, Brady Oliveira obviously did his thing, kind of running the clock out and uh, gaining a lot of ground. So it was it was a lot tougher than I think a lot of folks thought it would be. But the cream kind of rose to the top at the end of the night, and uh, it was uh, it was a roller coaster ride, no question about it. And if you're the Elks, my goodness, like you've you've seemingly found every possible way to lose, and then you come up with this. Uh, and I, I mean, if in a lot of ways, Remus, I got to think losing the way they did last night, that's got to hurt a lot more than just getting their doors blown off, which I think a lot of people expected would happen. Like that is just very, very painful. Yeah, um, I was gonna. I said earlier. I mean, at least they scored points in this one because they did get shut out by uh, BC in their last home loss uh, before their bye. But I, the quarterback looked looked pretty good. I mean, I so uh, I mean, may, there's something to build on, I guess. I mean, they're in the next year territory. They're what zero and nine now. I mean, they're they're playing uh, for next year. But yeah, I mean, their quarterback was pretty good. They did some good things, no question. They had the bombers on the ropes early. Uh, a lot of pressure on Caleros. The Bombers seemingly had no answer for the run game early. Um, and then again, uh, you know, clearly the Bombers made some adjustments. And, you know, when you're when you're a winless team, you're very fragile. And I think we saw that, you know, Edmonton probably started to question itself as soon as the Bombers started to rack up some yards and, and then the roof caved in. Um, so, you know, that's that's what happens when you're a fragile uh, winless team team you know you don't get the breaks and and momentum seemingly becomes almost crushing against you but yeah I mean it's uh, it's a big win for the Bombers because of course they they'd like to finish first in the West and punch their ticket right to the final the West final which they'd like to be hosting and that big win over BC and they couldn't afford to take their foot off the gas and that was a game they obviously had to win and they did you know, I had such a ra- wide range of emotions. Like you see the Bombers down 22 nothing, and I was like all my hot takes about punching like a ticket to the Grey Cup and the Bombers are the best team. Um, I was like, we got to go back to the week, you know, after they lost or before the bye, after they lost to Ottawa. I remember we said, oh, these aren't the Bombers of old. But um, they, I mean, the good thing for the Bombers, the games are four quarters and 60 minutes because uh, they needed all of it. Well, maybe not they not all of it, but need need most of it to uh to come back. I mean, uh, pretty incredible. Drew Brown, three hundred seven yards. One thing for Edmonton, they keep you know biting themselves in the foot here with these penalties. A big one uh on the what Dalton showing passing yards. Eight penalties for them for a hundred yards. That's double the yardage on penalties. Something sure. I just, they should have had one more penalty, Remus. Yes, and this is not being a homer at all. I would be saying the same thing if the situation was how is that not how is that not uh, a penalty the hit on Caleros he's he's already down and look I, I I'm not saying it was malicious I'm not saying it was intentional it wasn't but at the end of the day I thought I thought the league was going out of its way to protect quarterbacks and in a league again that doesn't have a whole lot of star power at the quarterback position and has already seen a number of guys go down. How in the world did the command center look at that? And I read, I read their ruling. I mean, to me, that is a no brainer. You have to call that. Um, It was a clear headshot. Again, it was not intentional. 
it's a penalty. And and I'm not even like the 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 touchdown that ensued. This has nothing to do with wiping whether that that should have been wiped off the board. I just think you got to protect the quarterback. And so I agree with Michael Shea's challenge. I was shocked that that it wasn't a successful challenge. And I just don't understand. I really don't. Um, to me, it sends the wrong message. Uh, if if you're really serious about, you know, protecting quarterbacks and and um, trying to keep these guys on their feet, to not call that a penalty, uh, to me, it was just the wrong call. And I'm I'm still shocked a day later that 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 was the uh, outcome. Yeah, Michael Shea was asked about uh, the challenge and you know his thoughts on it after the game. Here, I'll just. Hit- uh, play that clip uh, very quickly. One sec. Did you get an? I'm sure if you just asked this, did you get an explanation on I the did. challenge? I did. And what did they say? Just said <laughs> that he he tried to brace himself from landing on him. It doesn't matter what he tried to do; it's what did he do, and we all saw what he did, and it led to an injury, and th- so that should be no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, let me say this, Remus, and I've long thought this about Mike O'Shea. Is there any is there any wonder the bombers are such a successful group and that you know by and large they they it's water off a duck's back when things go wrong when they fall into a 22 nothing hole look at how calm their leader is and I saw the the TSM panel last night at halftime did a interview with him there was no sense of panic n- no sense of anger or frustration like maybe he keeps it Maybe it's burning inside and he doesn't reveal it. But my goodness, when you're talking about a leader and a guy that, you know, players want to play for and that play in the mold of their head coach, I think we saw on in a number of ways, including that clip you just played, why Mike O'Shea and why the Bombers are so good. When you have a guy like O'Shea calling the shots and he he refuses to make excuses, he, he doesn't come out kind of guns a-blazing, even when... You, he might be justified. Like, would anybody have been upset if Mike O'Shea came out firing against the CFL? And But he doesn't because he doesn't want to give his players an out. He wants them to remain cool, calm, and collected. And it's quite something. And I think it just speaks to why this team has been so successful for so long. Yeah, and the one thing, you know, about that too, like Drew Brown's, all his comments, we played them, you know, coming into this yep. and just how he's – Seems to be so much about the team and thankful for Buck Pierce and Zach Claros for putting him in position to be successful. And just hear that over and over. And I spoke at the beginning of the show. I mean, Rashid Bailey was on last week talking about how they want to play for each other. They want to love for, love for each other. And even if you're a role player with a small role, you want to see uh, yeah. the team succeed. And um, I believe I believe everything they they say about that. It's not just um, you know it's not just talk for them. But Mike, thank you for coming on, Hustler. Has returned. I don't know. Are we going to do a three-way call and I'll pass it off to Huss? I've never. Are we able? Here, here. I'll bring in Huss. You're back here. There we go. Long time no see, Huss. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, it was great seeing you down at the luncheon uh, this afternoon, and um, obviously Remo holding it down. He was connecting, but uh, what a great, uh, what a great event. And I'm sure you touched on this before, but. I will remember for a long time the entry uh, Rick Forney oh. into that room and uh, that embrace. I mean, there's a lot of emotion. And obviously when I was interviewing Reggie, um, you know, as part of the event, um, touched on that as well. And uh, that'll be my big takeaway and memory of of this. And 
kudos to Andrew and obviously Rick for uh, making it possible to uh, to have that moment today. You had your Huss, you had your Barbara Walters moment there where you brought Reggie to tears when you asked him about what Rick Forney meant to him and he he mentioned his mom like three people in his life he said you know as mentors role models his mom his dad and Rick Forney and Reggie was fighting back tears Rick was fighting back tears I think Rick shouted I love you man from the crowd like it was it was a really touching raw uh, and nothing staged about it because Reggie didn't even know that Rick Forney was going to be there. Uh, it was just, uh, it, it's its what is great about sports. It really is. Like, we talk about wins and losses and all that. Sports at its best, at its best is about connections and community, relationships, and sort of to see that on display. You know, the relationship that the Gold Eyes have to the community of Winnipeg, the relationships between people like Rick Forney and Reggie Abercrombie, it's everything that is wholesome and great about sports. And also what makes Winnipeg, I think, a pretty unique, tight-knit sports town. We saw that on display today with a great turnout at the lunch. And again, folks, uh, there are tickets still available. This is not me shilling for the gold eyes. But if you want to get your, your hands on one of these beauties, only a 1,000 of them are going to get given out tonight. Uh, but there are tickets available, so if you want to, if you want to go, you want to get there early, obviously, to get your Reggie bobblehead. Uh, and it, Re, Reggie said uh, his, he was hilarious as you were asking about the bobblehead hus and and how lifelike it looked. Uh, safe to say, he was impressed with the design. He certainly was, Mike. Great seeing you. Uh, have a great weekend, and maybe we'll see you at the ballpark over the next couple of days. You betcha, Hus. Take care. Thanks so much. There's Thanks. Mike McIntyre. And uh, a great uh, pinch hitting job uh, from Reem as I got back from the event. Um, we'll uh, we'll dive into this bobblehead a little bit more when uh, we get going with marbles a little later on. Hacksaw's coming up though. Before we do that, I have to thank Princess Auto for their support. And normally, you know, we do our bomber reports, and this entire show has been pretty much a bomber report after that crazy comeback win led by Drew Brown yesterday. Princess Auto, very big sponsors and supporters of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes as well. Uh, and, of course, Princess Auto is uh, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Uh, our friends at Consolidated Supply are busy right now. And, uh, of course, they would be because they're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and new and used golf carts. And now's the time where there's a lot of demand for all of the above. Um, but they've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs, amazing outdoor kitchen options and of course consolidated supply are the leaders in small engine parts and repair pop by and see them consolidated supply showroom is open to the public at 1395 niaqua road east or find out more online at cte.ca um hey if you haven't been by royal sports lately you might want to do that now of course hockey season is right around the corner and royal is for 40 years the go-to superstore when it comes to all things hockey. And there's a big Bauer event coming up in a couple of weeks that we'll tell you a little bit more uh, about in the coming days on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But right now, we're going to get into the NFL Notebook with Hacksaw. Of course, all the new NFL gear is coming in by the day. So whoever you support, get on down to Royal. Get ready for the kickoff of the season. And, of course, you can also check out all their equipment when it comes to soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, disc golf, and, of course, a huge selection of bikes. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. 
You can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. I've got a good one tonight in the CFL. Riders and Alouettes and NFL preseasons going on as well. Looking for a great spot to get together with the gang and watch it. Well, there's no better place than Boston Pizza. Not only will they have the game on, but you know, they've also got those ice-cold schooners, world-famous Boston Pizza wings and their gourmet pizzas and all the great stuff on the new BP feature menu. And if you are staying at home tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's welcome in the legendary Lee Hacksaw Hamilton as we get into the full week one of the preseason after last week's Hall of Fame game. Saw, what is up, my friend? How are you? Doing well. Nice to chat with you again, Hustler. And uh, I'll take one of those pizzas with everything on it and give me a cold beer. I'll be at the end of the bar. <laughs> I will serve it up for you. Um, listen, this is an interesting time because, you know, week one and week two of the preseason is often when we, you know, see more of the starters if they're going to play at all, although there's been a trend of just holding players out entirely but as we get into the preseason overall um there's some pretty big storylines going on let me start off with old bill belichick in new england what's the latest on the patriots who now find themselves in arguably one of the toughest divisions in football after owning it for the better part of two decades well it's not the same franchise because there is no tom brady a lot of criticism of the fact that they've not delved deeply into free agents a little bit of question about who they've drafted, although, I mean, I watched extensively the New England game last night. I was pretty impressed with the defense. They've drafted a ton of defensive backs. I think their secondary is going to be young and athletic and vibrant, and I think secondary is going to be good. I think the other big storyline, Hustler, is what happens with the relationship with the quarterback, Mac Jones, and the incoming offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien's got a good track record as an X and O's guy. Didn't do well as a head coach at Houston, but that was a bad organizational situation. He's a confidant of Belichick, and after they came through the fiasco of last year with who was the offensive coordinator and why are defensive coaches calling plays, it was a fiasco. And Mac Jones kind of melted down at the end of the year. But now Mac Jones has got this relationship with Bill O'Brien, and I think this is going to be sharp. It's going to be fun to watch, and I think they're – they're going to be better offensively. They don't have a lot of sexy names at the school positions, not not marquee names you would think. They've yet to dive into the free agency there. They've looked at all these running backs, but they've not made a move on, on any of these running backs that are still out on street corners. So I think the, the bottom line is Patriots will go as far as Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien's X's and O's will go. So I think that's really the storyline coming out of Foxborough when we get to opening day right after Labor Day weekend. Um, I don't know what to expect from the Rams. Well, I listen, I don't expect much from the Rams because it seems like they're sort of paying the invoices that were accrued while winning a championship. Um, I was Sean McVay handling all this right now, Lee. Well, he didn't handle it real well last year, Andrew. No, he was so dissatisfied. He really talked about walking away from the NFL because he couldn't stand, he couldn't cope with losing. You know, and if he went five and twelve and was really upset last year, what's going to happen this year if they go four and thirteen? They're a massive rebuild. You pull up a depth chart of Rams football, and outside of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, who by the way is hurt, uh, Aaron Donald, the superstar nose tackle, you know, identify with any of those guys. Do you know who any of those guys are? They have forty, forty 
first-year rookies and free agents on their rosters. They play their first preseason game tomorrow night against the enemy across town, the, the Chargers. Uh, it's a massive rebuild. Now, I'm going to be fascinated because I think they've done a good job fixing their offensive front. Their left guard, Steve Avila, number one pick, highly regarded, is going to start tomorrow night. Logan Bruss, who was a second-round pick that missed last year, is now back. He's from BYU. He's probably going to be the right guard. They've got two huge mammoth man-mountain men, uh, young offensive tackles that are going to probably get the chance to play. So maybe this this bounce back is going to come a lot quicker, but they don't have a lot of cap space. I mean, they, they don't have number one picks because they've traded them all away. So it's kind of like Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald against the world, unless a couple of these kid linemen really step up. You know, Stafford just he got killed last year. He had a neck injury, he had a spine injury, did not finish the season, took a fierce beating, turned the ball over a lot, took an unbelievable number of sacks. So at the end of the day, if they fix what's up front, they might be a little bit more competitive offensively. But I don't know who any of these guys are on defense because these are not household names. These are a lot of young guys. So I think long season in Los Angeles for the Rams. Well, speaking of long seasons, uh, I listen, people that know me as a Chiefs guy know that I maybe have taken quite a bit of enjoyment out of seeing the incompetence of the Raiders over the course of the years. Uh, they're up against it, though, Lee. I mean, you've got a Denver team that should be much better with Sean Payton. The Chargers have a ton of talent, and the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Uh, and there's huge question marks. And now, apparently, Devontae Adams has been nicked up as well. Um, how bleak is the outlook in 2023 for the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, you're asking somebody that was a longtime voice of the Chargers and Seahawks. What we're piling on here, Andrew? We, 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 can, all, we can agree on this topic, Lee. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to make of Garoppolo. He had a wretched week. Seven interceptions in two days, which is amazing. Now, they've, they've had cross practices, joint practices with the 49ers the last two days. And they've really been spirited and they've been very physical. And today, the Raiders intercepted five 49er passes. Now, obviously, the big challenge is the health of Garoppolo. Second big challenge, what's your offense going to be like if Josh Jacobs is not part of it? Because he's not in camp. He's refused to sign the franchise tag tender. And there's a rumor out there that they might lift the franchise tag, just put him on the open market, and then try to work a sign-and-trade and ship him somewhere else, which would, I would think would be terrible for the, the Raiders' offense. Conversely, defensively, you know, what they've done the last two weeks, they went out and they signed Marcus Peters, and he's flamboyant, and he's boisterous, and he's loud, and you can identify with these words, he's high-maintenance. Perfect but, Raider. Perfect Raider. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but if he's also guy that's got 32 interceptions, and he just plays so tough. So if Marcus Peters can be vintage Marcus Peters with no junk off the field, and then they, they got the young kid they fast-forwarded development last year, Myron Epps. They got Nate Hobbs, who's played really well for a year and a half, though he's had a lot of different injuries. Maybe their defense rallies at the back end, which then helps Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Maybe they're laying in the weeds, greater terminology, to jump somebody. And maybe that's that's what's going to happen. But uh, I got I got to see come opening day, can Garoppolo stay on the field and stay healthy? And then how do they solve the Josh Jacobs things? Adam's injury, I think, was a minor injury, just kind of took a heavy hit after a pass. But Raider, Raiders still have lots of questions to be answered in what obviously is a vastly improved, very, very explosive division. 
Hacksaw, um, part of the intrigue of the preseason is seeing the rookies and the new players. And, uh, you know, a lot of interest in the four young kid QBs that, um, you know, are getting reps right now, both in training camp. Um, let's go. Uh, we got Carolina, Houston, Tennessee, and the Colts, all with rookies. What's the buzz on the class of 2023 at the quarterback position? Bryce Young starts. Carolina, New York Jets. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I do not believe, is going to play in the second preseason game. So we'll just see how fast forward along Bryce Young has come. I mean, he's been taking all the number one snaps since the the middle of the OTA workout. So now it's time to put him under live fire. I was a little surprised last night in the Houston New England game because I wanted to see more C.J. Stroud. But it was only one for two, 13 yards passing, interception, quarterback sack, and kind of looked freaked out. I thought Houston would go a little bit longer with him just to see where he is, um, you know, on, on the curve. Indianapolis, they don't have a starting quarterback. Up until yesterday, it looked like the journeyman, Gardner Minshew, who's played for a bunch of different teams, real competitive guy. Minshew is going to be the starter in this first preseason game. And then they announced yesterday uh, that Anthony Richardson will start. And if you go back, if you look at video of Anthony Richardson, I mean, he's got some phenomenal athletic traits and makes plays and all that, but he also turns the ball over and he can be erratic. Now, he's not playing against South Carolina or Kentucky's defense. He, he's going to play against the Buffalo Bills in this first preseason game, so it'll be just intriguing to see how, how he holds up to what's going to be an NFL pass rush because, like I say, you're not playing William & Mary or South Carolina. And the other one is Arizona. There is no Kyler Murray. He could be gone six weeks at least uh, in his continued recovery from knee surgery. I think the stunning thing to me, they got four quarterbacks. They're all taking equal snaps in camp. There's no number one guy. It's not even the journeyman Colt McCoy. And if we're this deep into preseason and you don't have a starting quarterback because you get all these journeymen, you got a real set of problems on your hands. I I think it's going to be bad in Phoenix, and I'm not talking about the summer weather, which has been brutal. I just don't know what the Arizona Cardinals are going to be like, Andrew. Eric Bieniemy. Um, so EB leaves the Chiefs. He goes to the Commanders to work for Riverboat Ron, uh, and his coaching style not exactly meshing with some of the players. I mean, what have you heard about this, and what does this say about that locker room? I think the words of the day, according to Sesame Street, in your face. The enemy has just really coached him hard. I mean, it has been almost to the point of confrontational. But that's him. I've known Eric Bieniemy since he was a player at Colorado. He's from out here in Southern California. I've known him because he played for the Chargers. Just a fierce, fierce personality. And now he's taken that playbook and he's rammed it into the face of everybody on that offensive side with the Washington Commanders. And the players have started to bitch about the just the intensity level of his approach to dealing with players in team meetings and obviously when he stops practice on the field. And Ron Rivera says, hey, he's my guy. Well, they hired him as offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So Ron Rivera told his players in a team meeting yesterday, this guy is teaching you how to win. Look at his track record. And then he told his, his Washington players, you need to get comfortable in what might be an uncomfortable situation, which means cut the bleep up, go back to work, and do what the enemy wants you to do. It's fascinating to see. You know, now, Eric's, Eric's got issues. He's got a, a young quarterback that's hardly played, Sam Howell out of North Carolina. 
His backup quarterback is a backup quarterback for his life, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they got a rookie quarterback from Fresno State who's actually been more impressive than anybody. Kid by the name of Jake Hayner was a three-year starter, but he's really undersized. He's if he's five ten, then I'm six four, and I know I'm not six four. So you know, I'll, I'll be fascinated just to see how this thing evolves. But it sure looks like Ron Rivera has given Enemy the keys to the offices and the offensive building. He's told his players get back to work. Uh, Lee, what about the police blotter? It's always, you know, you, you don't want to end up on the transactions list right now. Um, and you definitely don't want to end up on the police blotter. And usually the fastest way to end up on that transactions list is to end up on the police blotter. Yeah, sign that memo. Uh, pretty, pretty awful week for stories off the field. And, and we're not done hearing about some of the stuff. Henry Rugg, who was a high Raider draft pick, John Gruden era, University of Alabama, Unbelievably gifted player, obviously ran the streets of Las Vegas. He finally plea bargained guilty from felony drunk driving manslaughter two years ago in the middle of the season. He's doing 156 miles an hour on the strip in Las Vegas at three o'clock in the morning, rear ended a car, killed a woman in a fiery accident. How he survived, how his girlfriend beat survived is beyond me, but he got hit with seven different felony counts of, in essence, DUI manslaughter. They plead bargain this down. He's been sentenced to 10 years in prison, effective yesterday, was taken to prison. He had been under house arrest. Imagine that Raider first round draft pick in manacles taken out of the courtroom after they reached the plea bargain. He must serve a minimum three years in prison, but the feeling is it was such a hard accident, it's probably going to be a five-year sentence on the 10 years that were handed down. There's a story right across the border from you that we're waiting for some definition on. Jordan Addison, Vikings draft pick, that big wide receiver from Minnesota, he was arrested last week, three o'clock in the morning, doing 146 miles an hour on a highway. At three o'clock in the morning in training camp, usually when you get sighted, the NFL will get the information. They'll wait till thing is, is solidified with the police, and then they'll drop the hammer on him because it's 146 miles an hour, though he wasn't drunk. I got to believe he's going to get a three-game suspension, if not a six-game suspension. But what are you doing? What are you doing in training camp doing that? Did you hear his excuse, and, Lee? I mean, well, I, I, heard, I, yeah, I always get a kick was, out of the excuses. Yeah, a, 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 a health emergency for his dog. The dog was in the car either. Um, big issue. Just, yeah. The stupidity of some people just boggles my mind. But he's he's going to get disciplined by the league in some some form or fashion. Uh, Lee, uh, what's uh, cooking over at LeeHacksawHamilton.com as uh, the preseason gets going? And uh, fill people in if they haven't already checked out your amazing podcast. Well, the big story out here in the States and the West Coast is, is the collapse of the Pac-12 football conference, which would be tantamount to a chunk of the NFL falling off the cliff into the ocean. This has been a horrid story. Uh, I, I had this huge podcast that I do twice a week, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton Sports. You can get that on YouTube and then subscribe. It's absolutely free. And then on my website, I know you've done some magnificent things with Winnipeg Sports Talk. I did a commentary on the death of the Pac-12, Black Friday, I called it. We had 85,000 hits one day wow. in one freaking day. Absolutely amazing. We had like 287,000 hits in a week. So... I don't know how it works, but it's working. It's exploded. But if you like sports, check it out. 
I write on it every day. I cover everything, obviously, the NFL, the NBA, baseball hoops. We write about hockey down here in Southern California and anything and, and everything. Hey, one other side note. Uh, we're saying goodbye to a great legend north of the border. I got the chance to interview this guy once and meet him. Really cool guy. Zen and Andrew Zishin, legendary field goal kicker. Uh, came from UCLA. I met him when he was in Kansas City with your Chiefs. Uh, what a hell of a career with the Toronto Argonauts and a few others. 215 career field goals. And, and the stat that I love to throw out there and the people this side of the of the Peace Bridge say, what? Denon had a 108-yard punt in the Canadian League. 100 bleeping eight yards. People can't imagine. Imagine that. I said, well, remember, the CFL field is 110 Plus wider, and yeah, it's three downs, but it's 110 yards. Can you imagine 108 yards? It's one heck of a rouge, Lee. One heck of a rouge. Um, have a great one, and looking forward to uh, getting right into it the next few weeks. And then season is just around the corner. Cannot wait for that Thursday nighter with the Chiefs and the Lions to kick things off. Have an awesome weekend. By the way, did it cool down around you? Yeah, it's, it's just around 101 today. This is. <laughs> This is ridiculous. I just just might wave the white flag and move to my cottage in the Adirondacks where it's 61 degrees and it's been raining for three days and I'd give anything to have that here. But well, we got that pizza you know, and a couple cold 1919s for you. If you make it up here, we'll uh, we'll hold that seat for you. Have a good one, Lee. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Hustler. There it is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And, of course, the weekend is here. And uh, I wasn't kidding. Lee shows up. We'll definitely have more than just a few Little Brown Jug 1919s. Um, Winnipeg's favorite local beer uh, and available, obviously, at the brewery and taproom. If you haven't been down into the exchange, check out that beautiful patio that hosted our sports trivia uh, event last year. The first one we did. Um, now's the time to get down there. You can try all the amazing little brown jug beers, including a few seasonals that are available right now. Pick up your favorites. And um, obviously right now with what's going on with the Manitoba Liquor Shores, just know that little brown jug's there for you. Open seven days a week, ready. And you can also order for online delivery citywide at littlebrownjug.ca. By the way, Marbles is open right now. Exclamation mark Marbles in the chat. Quick look at what's going on at the FedEx St. Jude on the PGA Tour. Playoffs going on. Look at Adam Hadwin with a five under round today playing the 16th hole. He is just two shots off the pace of Lucas Glover, who won last week and uh, is up at the top with 10 under par. Tommy Fleetwood at 9. Jordan Spieth and Hadwin at 8. Sungjae M, Tom Kim, and Taylor Moore amongst the others at 7. A couple other Canadians to get to. Adam Svensson at 5 under. Mac Hughes at 5 under as well. And a big group actually at 5 under, including world stars like Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, and Xander Shoffley, all of our golf reports brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. Think about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season. The courses never look better with brand new greens on 7 and 15. If you'd like to find out more about next season and get on that waiting list, talk to Corey Johnson at the golf course or find out more online at breezybend.ca. Yeah, we'll get back to the track on Monday. At Assiniboia Downs, live racing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but certainly open seven days a week. Incredible food options and what more, off-track betting, and tons of VLTs. And as we mentioned, big night tonight for our Winnipeg Gold Eyes. 
Reggie Abercrombie's number 11 will be retired and get er there early to the game tonight to grab one of the first, be one of the first thousand people or 1,500 people and get your hands on this. The Reggie Abercrombie bobblehead. Uh, and tomorrow, of course, Bark at the Park. One of the most fun days of the year at the ballpark. And uh, just before we get to marbles and the cool bet lines, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake, Pitt, Julie, and the whole gang. Um, still buzzing from what a great time we had on the long weekend out at Aikens Lake and counting down the days to get back there next year. Uh, they're booking well into 2024 right now. Corporate trips as well as friends, family trip. Um, it Unreal spot. World-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from the Terrens. Find out more online at akinslake.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, as he said, Marbles registration is open. If you're just popping in, get in there. Uh, the CTO has run through some new tracks. So I am quite looking forward to getting into this coming up in a few minutes. But uh, let's pull up these cool bet lines for today tough one last night for those of us that had the bombers minus 12 and a half although incredibly they actually could have still covered that game having the ball and a nine point lead but needed a couple more minutes i think for that to happen um we do have some pretty uh neat games on the uh, on the docket for the rest of the canadian football league week the Riders are now five-point underdogs in Montreal to take on their old buddy Cody Fajardo in the Alouettes. That game's tonight at 6.30. Tomorrow, the BC Lions, six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Calgary Stampeders. And this game is back on the board now that Chad Kelly will officially start. The Ottawa Redblacks, ten-and-a-half-point underdogs. Big, big number <clears throat> at BMO Field against the Toronto Argonauts. Remo, what do you think about this uh, Riders-Alouettes uh, game tonight? Uh, Alouettes-Riders. I like Mason fine. I think he's solid. And the who Alouettes, they're without standback. And they've really struggled to put it in the end zone with Cody Fajardo the last week. Saskatchewan at home. This is in Saskatchewan, right? They're at the uh, bottom? No, no, this is in Montreal. Okay. Cool bet going with the... Well, uh, I, be I believe... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in, yeah, in for the yeah. The home team is uh, is the top. Okay. Um, I would pick still pick them to cover. I think this is gonna be a close game. I don't know Mason. Fine. I think he's like serviceable. I don't know <laughs> if he's like. Would you take Drew Brown over Mason Fine? Uh, yeah, I think he's shown shown uh, more. I take Drew Brown over most of the quarterbacks in the league after what we saw last yeah. night. <laughs> so just not just not Zach Caleros. Um. You can get to cool bet. Um, we've got uh, all sorts of props as well for the games. Uh, you've got tennis going on tonight, more Women's World Cup, NFL preseason, a whole whack load of games tonight, as well as tomorrow on the weekend. What do we have tonight? Uh, Browns, Commanders, Steelers, Bucks, Dolphins, Falcons, Lions, no. Giants, Bengals, and Packers. Is that all tonight? And uh, Cardinals and the Broncos. Those are all tonight. And uh, again, Nothing more degen than betting on the NFL preseason. But uh, I'm 1-0 on the year. And we'll try and go 2-0 tonight, pick out one of these, uh, one of these games. Um, all right, there's our cool bet lines. Use the promo code WST over at CoolBet if you haven't played before. Patty and the boys will hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit by using the promo code 
W-S-T. All right, Remus. Yeah. It's just about marbles time. Tell us about the research that you've been doing on these courses. Sure. Hey, just a couple things. Got to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, MC Stormy with the super chat early on in the show. Says Blue oh, Bombers thank are Thank you, MC Story. MC and then Stormy. Rob Kane just gifted 10 memberships. So 10 more people have that cool <laughs> microphone beside their name. Uh, you get to use the exclusive WST emojis. And people were asking as well yesterday about Mike O'Shea's hat in the um, yes. in the in the scrum. I was asking about that. We were all asking. I texted Derek Taylor who asked Mike O'Shea, and Mike O'Shea said it was from the Hamilton Fire Department. He's got some friends, uh, some friends there. So that's what he was rocking yesterday. Beautiful. Well, yeah. Shout out to Rob Kane. I'll have something purple for you the next time I run across. You appreciate that he supported oh, Rob- the channel. Rob Kane, yeah, I met him at uh, Rick Ralph's going away party, and Rick Ralph did go away. He gave me a nice beverage, so thank you, uh, Rob. That yeah, was probably nice to stuck meet one you. in your hand the second you turned around. There's no, uh, there's no escaping. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, last call! Exclamation mark marbles. Mm-hmm. Um, who should we? Uh, who are we going to be putting in? Well, um, Drew the, Brown uh, the list today. Drew Brown, one hundred percent is getting a marble today. And how about Reggie Abercrombie? Reggie Abercrombie, 100%. Mm-hmm. And then you want to do uh, Ken, Ken's 18-minute answer? Yeah, the 18-minute man. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Let's give Mike and let's give Hacksaw Marbles yeah. today, too, for uh, for being in here. Yeah, there we go. Um, so I got By those the way, in. I, I got back just as you and, and Mike were talking about that. Well, we oh, just, my God, I was laughing so hard. We just talked about the 18-minute answer the whole time, uh, Ken. I mean, that's a legendary thing that happened on the show. I mean, that's – I don't know what's harder, the 18-minute answer or two holes in one in a round. Uh, like, what's you know Ken what? going to be it's known It's all for just now? part of the legend of at Weeb's world himself. Um uh, great stuff. Oh, and you know what? Uh, shout out to Royster. Yeah. Let's, Teddy. I think we need to give the MVP, Teddy Allen. Yeah. We should probably give Jelani, Watson Gale, sixth man of the year. Yeah. And Simon Hildebrand, U sports player of the year. And heck, coach of the year. I mean, they did, they all won the award. So I think they pretty much all get marbles. Done. We got those um, in. And people want Rick Ralph to have one. He's he's off to Calgary. I'll give oh, one to Oh, for you. sure, for sure. Bon voyage to our pal Rick Ralph. Jayville. Now, nah, the Hamilton Fire Department doesn't need a marble. They've got enough love from Mike O'Shea. We'll stick it to WST. Although, shout out to uh, all fire, all fire and paramedics everywhere helping us out. Um well, we got marbles today. I'm very looking forward to seeing what Remus has cooked up as far as the uh, the courses. But I guess before we get to that, we've got to get to a little Tristan Rivers music because we can't do marbles without one of the award-winning themes from the muse of WST, Tristan Rivers' music himself. Are uh, we ready to go with that, Reem? Yeah, let me just get it ready. i got to decide which one to pick. It's such a such a hard... Pick all the time, you know? <laughs> There's so many, and I just don't know what to go with. Uh, it's a nice summer, summer one. Let's go with, uh, I think, this one. Oh, wait. Sounds good. Tee it up. They're all great. 
Tristan Rivers music, Marbles theme, and then we drop them with a new course selected by the CTO here on WST. It's Friday. Another week of work's gone by. You deserve to treat yourself. Maybe an ice cream cake or a bottle of rye. Phone the whole day. So lax, you can't deny. Why use effort even for pleasure? Oh yeah, the sticks, the sticks version. That's definitely one of the best ones. I uh, I sail away every time we get going. And all right, buddy. Um, so fill us in. By the way, shout out to my guy Todd for Tanny. Saw some of the game uh, with him last night, and he did say he'd be popping in. And sure enough, there he is, marbles from the lake in beautiful Lackaloo, Ontario. Have a good weekend there, Toddy. Good seeing you last night. Um, all right, Remo, fill us in. Where are we going? How many marbles we got? Nice job here and got some great new tracks. The last one has, you missed it last week. Oh, Epic. baby. That was a hot one. That was the one that Kurt Contois took down? Yeah, Kurt Contois took it down. I, that's why I'm Jeez. nervous about adding too many Marvel. Like, we I, we had like six guests last Friday and ended up going super late because um, of the 18 minute answer. And so, <laughs> so um, hold on. Hold on. People are telling me I'm muted. Who's muted? No, I'm not me. Who's me? Um, maybe you were when you didn't hit the button. Anyways, um, so we had so many like people I had to add in, and Kurt won. And look, I want, I'm happy for like Kurt and like these guests ones to win, but we want uh, our listeners uh, to win and the viewers here to win, right? I, although we do owe Kurt a a definitely. Hey, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, listen, the the only Rick bonus won once. Kurt Contois won once, and Kurt's yeah. a local guy. It's not like these other ones have been winning all the time. And I'll tell you what, if Teddy Buckets or Simon Hildebrand or Jelani won, good for them. We'll come up with the, with the hoodie, and then we'll do it again next week. All right, let's fire this up. Where are we, uh, where are we at? Okay, let me, let me just open it, because I was going through these marbles <laughs> before. Some great track with some great names. And I'll give you the names of the tracks that we did before as it opens. Okay, so we did Adorable Awkward Anger. That was two weeks ago. Yep. And then the week before, last week, we did Adorable Busy Area. Now, they're not all adorable. They can be They can be other stuff. Um, so we have, I tested this one, Funny Swinging Roadway. Almost Ancient Adventure, 
Twisted, exhilarating pathway or insane, crazy marbles? Insane, crazy marbles. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm I, I will defer to you because um, yeah. you have put this on. I forget which was which, but oh, I fav- I went NFL, through the we got it. We got a bot in here, and it's no longer. Oh, geez. what were what were the other one the. the uh, sexygirls69.com or something like that yeah now we're getting now we're getting and love face love face isn't allowed here there's like love face love face of course we would get occasional for people on podcasts yeah we'd have people coming our youtube spam our channel with bots and i have to remove them there's always advertising xxx items now we get nfl (laughs) so that's all right which uh which one did you choose which one did I? That's a good question. Well, I had to load our our insane crazy marbles. Uh, sure, that was one I added last week. So we'll do that. We got two hundred and eight, two hundred and eight here. Let me make sure I get the right amount. Community maps. We'll do insane crazy. We'll do two oh eight. Okay, okay, ready? Let's see what this thing looks like. I forget what it is. Oh yeah. All right, yeah, this is it. Here we go. We got the right, uh, the right list in. Uh, I'm pretty sure I just added it, but I'll double check again. Let me no, just make. Let me good. just. You can never be too sure with this stuff, That's right? That's true. That is true. I I thought that I did, but yeah, yeah, it has Drew Brown on it. So this that's perfect. This. All right, we... so uh, just over 200 marbles in. Congratulations to everyone that got a marble from guests or their performance. Good luck to everyone that is here with us with a marble. Can't imagine a better way to start off the weekend than winning the WST marble race. Uh, we got a hoodie courtesy of our friends at Shipman Associates for whoever crosses the finish line first. New track selected by CTO Michael Remus. This one is insane, crazy marbles. Let's drop them and see who comes first. I'm excited just to see new tracks. There's a lot new obstacles and stuff in them. It's we're getting stale. We did the same ones. I was like, why did I know about these new ones before? I like this. I like this big time. It's Royster. Oh, Royster. Bye-bye. Sadie Honer. Ken Gregory Liverpool. Gregory. Bye-bye, Greg. Sorry. Not a great way to start off the weekend. Okay, a lot of people getting into the globe. No one getting out of the globe yet. Whoa, lots of uh, lots of casualties right now. T will bye. Okay, Jeff Dorian, Simon Hildebrandt, Swervin Mervin, Sheldon Waldner, all looking good. U Sports Player of the Year in the CEBL. <laughs> Simon Hildebrandt in first, along with with. Uh, Adam Junkin. Oh, Hildebrand and Wadner are out. Adam Junkin now in first place with a lead over Amanda. Doug Phil, he's gone. There's a lot of eliminations on this one. Daniel Patrick Rye. But Adam Junkin and Amanda right now. Your top two. Benjamin Gann. People getting a little slowed up. Okay, this is a this is a wild one. I don't even know what we'd call this obstacle, but it's okay. Timmy Two Shoes gets through. 
Teddy Allen is in the mix. What do we have here? Timmy Two Shoes, Teddy Buckets, Cruiser 24 is there. This is oh. like a stairs operation. Oh my God, this is wild. There's like a dozen, a dozen right there. Who will it be? Uncle Dizzo. Oh, Uncle Dizzo just got blown up, but did not. He's alive. He got blown forward, is what Uncle Dizzo did. D Chalice. Darren Chalice, Teddy Buckets now right here. Okay, we are, this is incredible. Could it be Hacksaw? Hacksaw! <laughs> Hacksaw wins! Insane crazy marbles and oh. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We were just talking about the extra marbles and he got it done. <laughs> what a moment. Foley Lee stuck I around to be with us. We owe we owe him anyway, so that'll be nice. We'll send a nice package over to Lee, and he'll be able to rock the WST. BA split. Will Sutton, shout out to Will. Will's got a big weekend coming up with these uh, Gold Eye games tonight. Don't forget, there are still some tickets available tonight for the Reggie Abercrombie retirement, and then tomorrow is the Bark in the Park. Mike Ladarni. Everyone's fired up. Phone him now. Yeah, we we should. Amazing win by Hacksaw. Everyone's loved it. I'll have to. I'll have. To, I think I've already sent him a hoodie. I'll see what else I can send him. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to FedEx him um, the hat. Todd Fratani just chilling at Lake Lou, and chilling at the end of Insane Crazy Marbles. Chucker, Todd, <clears throat> Craig Smith, our resident scout. Is he the final marble? Yes, he is. So Craig has finished it and uh, an incredible. Kirk Contois and Hacksaw, back-to-back weeks. What a moment. Um, and Lee, look at Lee. Eight seconds beating everybody else. And then that group that came in at 223 was all like right, right beside each other. Um, shout out to Uncle Dizzo, Giovanni, Tom Hunt, Rook of the Year, top five. Eric Bayer, DJ22, Bardo, Gary Labossier. Oh, and Bozeman, that a boy, Shorn, with a top 10 finish. Um, we'll just run it, run it down in case people want to see where they finished. I'm also interested to see, Remus, how many eliminations there were of the 200-plus because early on there was a lot of people getting thrown over the top rope. Yeah, it says 149 of the 208 finished. So I, you, can you do a quick okay. math there? So 51 plus 8, 59. Uh, eliminated. 59 were eliminated. Reggie Abercrombie, 58th. Bailey, the official intern, all-star performance this week. Oh, there's Ross. Oh, chalk one up. Chalk one up for Bozeman this week. There's Sadie. There's Hack, 111. Yeah. Egg City Dude. Mike Taylor, 107. Pretty Pionk, BA Split. Rick Ralph. Rick Ralph came in at 124. Jerry Beluda. Oh, Destruction. What's up, Destruction? Easily done. 129. iHeart Gaming. Drew Brown, way better on the football field than he is in the marbles. 136 for, for Drew. Dan Milburn for Taddy. And then Craig Smith, 149. And then everybody else was a casualty 
of insane crazy marbles um great great track remus good job on that one that was fun i've done a lot of pre-scouting on custom these custom tracks they have new crazy obstacles uh this is fun i'm excited to see what we have every week we're done with the regular ones like the laboratory and what are the uh, the, the factory funnel. although there's some good ones like um slippery slopes i think we can bring in for yeah yeah definitely especially when it gets uh when it gets uh for a, if you want a crazy one or what's temple of steve is also a crazy one those two i think yep. are are permanent but we need to take a break from like cosmic chaos and no i like it the fact that there's more is exactly what we need oh and by the way i had another idea um for when we want to give something out or do something fun on the program where we have maybe not as many people as a marble race but maybe we qualify people to be in for a prize i got wwe 23 yeah and what we can do is basically <laughs> do like a battle royal oh without without controlling and then the, they just go and every person will get a wrestler and who's ever the last one standing will be the winner i think it will be it could be as popular as marbles but have it, to it would create... take a long time could be an extra be an extra segment of the show or the stream we'd have to like create the chatters as a as a wrestler oh god well you could do that i was thinking just like okay you get john cena you get mankind you get oh uh tozawa um you know whoever and uh, we go from there so anyways we'll work on that at some point uh, and leslie mitchup yes the custom tracks definitely up the top rope numbers yeah i mean there's been a few that have a lot of uh Oh, Derek Schmidt, didn't Huss say there was going to be an announcement today? Well, I kind of did. There it is a week today. A week today for the Bomber game against Calgary. Um, the Bombers have put together some local watch parties. Um, and they've sort of invited us to be a part of it. So we'll be uh, pumping this up next week. But uh, I believe a couple of the cheerleaders will be there, some Bomber alumni, some great prizes including sideline passes for future games and some other great merch for next Friday's game, a week today, over at Hooters. Um, and we may actually have a special offer if you mention WST uh, for that. So I'm going to have full details on Monday, but I'll tell you this right now. Join us next Friday, a week today, for this Bomber event with Coors Light over at Hooters, 8 o'clock start I'm going to be there. Hopefully Remus will be there. We'll get a few of our buddies and uh, everyone is invited. Kind of a, a pseudo WST event, although there'll be lots of bomber representation. Um, so we'll have that for you. We'll kind of keep mentioning it throughout next week. But yes, mark it down. Next week, you've got plans. Big bomber watch party over at Hooters. Brought to you by the Bombers, Coors Light, and the folks over at Hooters. Um, that's going to do it for us. Shout out to, again, thanks to the Gold Eyes for including me in the luncheon today. Great job by Remo and Ken to sort of get a few things done early and put it all together. Um, but it really was a pleasure being a part of that. And um, maybe we'll see you at the ballpark this week. If not, gang, we will see you Monday with another big edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.